Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Who, Messi, this is professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast, where tonight we are talking NWA Saturday night on TBS from August the 1st, 1987. The summer is coming to a close, and we are heading towards Starcade 87. God damn, we've been at this for a few years now, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we are about a week. Uh, this should debut about a week before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone, if you're listening out there. And uh, make sure you use our Amazon referral link. We'll get to more on that later. But also, we got part two with Smoky Mountain Wrestling's Daryl Van Horn, also known as James Mitchell's The Sinister Minister, uh, James Vandenberg and WCW. I'm sitting here with Hard Body Hopper and Doc Turner. We just cut some patron audio. That was pretty cool. A lot of fun stuff to do. Complaining about Mud Show Outlaw bullshit. Uh, reality TV again. But Hopper, how are you? I'm doing great, bro. Saints are kicking ass, bro. Yes, for life. I know, huh? I don't know if I yep. like that, but I don't want to talk football tonight. You better watch it. You better uh, watch out. They are kicking ass. I will say that. So uh, they're 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 blessed in being a blessing. Bless you, boys. That's right. Remember that? Remember that song back in the day, Hopper. Bless you, we boys. We always be believers. Bless <laughs> you, boys. It was in Channel Four. Channel Four, WWL. Yes, sir. All right, Doc. How are you? Can we talk? Can I tell them? What? Uh oh. What do you mean? Uh oh. You oh, told God. me you told me in the show in the show prep meeting that we're not gonna do any more of this bullshit at the as you said at the beginning so that we can get straight to the wrestling because people have complained. So I thought we would do it straight tonight. No hijinks, no unprofessional, just straight call it, you know? Big style. I never I never said that. I said we should get into the show and mix in the shenanigans while we're doing the review. I think that would be a, a better and more effective use of, of not only our time, but our listeners. But I mean, I so could be wrong. So what you're saying is, and let me see if I can interpret this. Be nasty that, and dirty as we want to be just in the middle of the show. So if Harper hits a duck, we need to wait till we talk about some wrestling first before we get into that. Yeah. That depends. I don't know. That one see that one needed to lead off. I mean, he hit a I, fucking duck and it got some mileage on I the think, Facebook yeah, group. I think pe I think the people are concerned that he's abusing ducks now. Well they got flying in front of me. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I mean that's a fair take on it, right? I mean shit. Yes. Damn stupid duck. Bitch I just wanted you to eat the duck. The story would have yeah, been so much fun. Roasted duck. <laughs> It it's one of them, like, shitty ducks, bro. Like, the ones that, that fucking look like they're fucking uh, 
they're fucking uh, mutated like a ninja turtle or something, but not like a duck duck. <laughs> a duck duck, okay. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Those fucking ducks <laughs> that look all fucking mixed breed up. They're all they're, they're all fucking crazy looking. I kind of know I can... what he's talking about, but it's hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm completely lost. Here's so. here's what he's talking about. So, like, I'm not a big hunter, but I know Harper used to be one, and I come from a family uh, where my dad and my grandfather were into hunting, and they duck hunting and deer hunting. That was never my thing. That's but not something most he... black people do. That's pretty odd for. I know, right? Jesus, let me get through the story. So what 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 Harper is saying is, when you go out into the marshes of Louisiana and you're hunting ducks, they're like you got these nice looking mallards, these male yeah. and female mallard ducks, and these teals and all these things in there. They're really good looking ducks, and then you got these fucking, um, I don't know how to much, say it, chemically imbalanced fucking much mud show out like bullshit. Fucking jeans, and they got got a t shirt on. And they got their gut all hanging out. And they're like, what John Cena can do, I can do too. Yeah, like, they're like chromosomally challenged ducks that are mutated at these at, at these ghetto golf courses. Right. <laughs> and, I think they're just I think they're they're uh mixed breed ducks. <laughs> That's what they are. Okay. So I see this movie having three scenes. <laughs> the the duck flying into the car with Harper yelling, Jesus, what the fuck? <laughs> the second scene has Harper hopping out of the car to try to kick the duck for hitting his car. <laughs> and the third scene has Harper sitting at his dining room table eating a, a drumstick of duck. That will be funny. <laughs> the best part of the story was that it was raining and Harper yeah. says the duck was stuck to his windshield because he was pushing it and Harper left the windshield wipers on, and then Harper make the noise that your windshield wipers were making when it was hitting the duck. It was the sound. It was a da tung da tung da tung da tung, and I was like, "Fuck, bro, when you gonna fucking get up, motherfucker?" Well, I can I can almost assure that Harper will be fielding a call from Peta this week. Yeah, right. It's his fault. Okay. He whipped Me the too, duck's duck. ass. Jesus Christ. All right. So now that we got that out the way, we relive the duck story. I want to give a special shout out to uh, spe- to the largest patron contributors we have. Disrespectfully classy, Marky Blassie, Hall of Fame patron, and K underscore Rowe. Thanks for your contributions to the show. And then new shout out, one new patron this week, Casey Douglas. Thank you for becoming a patron. If you uh, have a Twitter, send it to me, and I'll give your Twitter a shout-out. Uh, again, become a patron at tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. Uh, Doc does not do the world-class shows with me, but he and I were talking about the most recent world-class show that uh, Lance and I covered, and it had to do with Thanksgiving Star Wars 1983 at Reunion Arena. A really, really big show. Lots of fun uh, happening there, and uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a really good show, so... Let's uh let's keep it moving. So again, uh, become a patron. It's tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT, the world class shows. Get the pre-show that Doc and Harper and I just cut where we were uh, talking about more reality show drama and bullshit and why actually we made an argument that reality TV is actually not a work, but I won't tell you why we said that. It is a very compelling argument though. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT and then uh, 
yeah, become a patron. Two bucks a month. You get access to all of that content. Uh, it's probably about close to 100 patron-only shows now, including video versions of the world-class show. So there you so go. So, yeah, just so you know, and just because I just – so I can shoot straight with everybody. I am fully aware and expecting Des Bryant to have 248 yards receiving against the Cowboys here in a couple of weeks. That motherfucker won't know the offense by then, um, and that's my only comment about the Saints and Des Bryant. Right Maybe now, you just need to we'll keep see. Des Bryant away from Alvin Gentry. <laughs> Are you saying they'll both, both be tagging their share of dirty pussy? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> We are talking again, NWA from August the 1st of 1987. The show, well, actually, I should ask first, Doc. Do you have anything before we jump into NWA? Well, you anything told else? me not to, and then I did some stuff, but I'm sure everybody got a nice chuckle out of it, but I've probably taken it about as far as I could. Um, is this the week that the, the we have uh, we have another car wreck in the, uh, in the territory? We'll talk about know, it during we? the episode. Okay. Yeah, man. Okay. We got singles we new go. action. Okay. We'll get to that then. All right. So here we are. It's August 1st, 1987. The show opens up with Tony and where the hell is that? I'm sorry. Jimmy Garvin in the ring versus Manny Fernandez. It appears to be a DQ because Paul Jones and Ivan get involved. And then we come directly to the studio. Tony and David talk about what's been happening. And then Jim Cornette comes in. And um, yes, I am going to play it because it's real quick. It's only about a minute. Here it is. Now, let's see Jim Cornette with the Midnight Express. Hey, wake up, wake up! How you doing? You know, Look at this. You know, Tony, the month of July brings all kind of great things to our country, like our nation's Independence Day and the Great American Bash, all kind of exciting things. And the month of July is gone now, but it's just as hot as ever right here, brother, and patriotism is in. And ever since that my grandfather, Ulysses Cornette, uttered the immortal words, ask not what you can do for your country, but what your country can do for you. I've been a patriotic kind of guy, Tony. I've been a patriotic kind of guy, because that's the end thing, and after all, it's it's good to be patriotic, but it's even better to be fashionable. And ladies and gentlemen, I present the most patriotic tag team in America today. Ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. Tag Team Champions, beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan, the Midnight Express. I love the way Shivani looks at Cornette like, God, you're what such a fucking... fuck are you talking about? That look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Doc, what you got from that, if anything? Ulysses Cornette, dude. It's yeah, also was... been fun in this episode to watch Corny talk about patriotism in the country yeah. and then knowing <laughs> what he is now. I don't know. We're a politics-free zone, but it, this episode is funny. It's just ironic, but you're absolutely right. When you look at this now 31 years later, you just laugh at Cornette because he, he works himself up, and he I'm sure he's had a few nosebleeds on air a few times Uh uh, it is it is recent promos on his shows, uh, but anyway, Harper, you got anything from the opening there? Well, the crowd's cheering for him when it, during his promo. Are I they? Mean, yeah, they're, they're saying cornet, cornet, cornet. There's that the, the it, it goes back to like the thing, the same thing with Flair. And I know Flair now is not a babyface because he tried to have sex with Precious. My point is, like even before that, that you remember all those. That makes him the biggest babyface. Well, there you go. That's true too. But um, well, the way he did it with this, just kind of like sleaze ball, trying to make yeah. people film, uh, film the the sex scene. But it just goes back to the thing where I don't know, man. It's like 
they're cool. They're heels, but they're cool. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we go to the first match. It is George South and Cougar J. Um, they lose to the Midnight Express. Cornette is running his mouth the entire time on commentary. I don't have any timestamps written down. I do. But, but well, I and, do. I'll, okay, I will. Let me ask you this before you tell me something. Uh, did you hear when um, Corny asked Crockett, whatever, lie to you? And without blinking, Crockett yes. just goes, yes. Shit, <laughs> I had a note on that. That shit was funny. Yeah, that, that popped me. Uh, what you got, Doc? Okay, let me see here. Let me pull up my notes. I had the corny, would I lie to you? Yes. Seven minutes. Push play. He says they're going to be doing the job. Or not be doing the job. I was like, whoa, 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 sir. And and I liked when he asked him, uh, is it here? When he asked him, hey, uh, y'all have a retirement plan here? And (laughs) I'm thinking, man. I hope you do, because it's, uh, you know. <laughs> right. I don't know if you can see the future like we can, brother, but <laughs> that, might, that might be a good thing. Uh, Doc, you want me to play hit play at seven? Yeah. You want to hear it? Okay, here it is. The other teams, but the Milkies, the only team in wrestling that might stand a chance of beating my Midnight Express, because let's face it. George South and Cougar J ain't doing the job here. They will be in a minute, but they ain't doing the job against the Midnight Express, brother. <laughs> Notice the silence from David. Sam, what is he? Uh-oh. And right before that, he had said that the best contenders for their U.S. titles was the 13th, 13th-ranked Mulkey Brothers, which was funny. Well, yeah, of course. Don't tell the truth. Just lie. I mean, that's... Mulkey Mania, pal. Yeah. Mania. All right. So, yeah, so, he was talking about doing jobs. I was like, damn. <laughs> uh, all right. So anything else before we go to their, their uh, promo next or Cornette's promo? That's I'm just glad that Stan wasn't out there wiggling snake style for some dirty fucking yeah. Linda. I was waiting to see her. I was kind of too, actually. I guess she must have got lucky the, the fucking night before. Well, y'all told me that wrestlers will put it, as long as there's a hole, they'll put it in there. So I'm sure she got some stand meat that night. And... Mm. Well, that's what the Eye of Gibson says on Twitter all the time. If it's got a hole, it'll get serviced by the rock and roll. So He's not really in the rock and roll. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, yeah, I think I know that by now. Uh, but yeah. All right. Let's go to Corny now. Him and the Midnight Express are out there after their match. And here it is. It was another impressive win for the U.S. Tag Team Champions. No, no, it, no, it wasn't. Call it by its proper name, first of all. That's the Flapjack. Okay, now, Lay, wasn't an impressive win. We could, we could beat it, these boys. Well, what was it then if it wasn't We impressive. could beat these boys any day of the week. We didn't impress nobody there because, you see, the fact of the matter is everybody's already impressed with us. So we didn't need to impress anybody there. If you got any sense, you are impressed with us. Because shut up, you morons. Be quiet while I'm talking. The fact of the matter is, is that we, in addition to being the most patriotic team in professional wrestling, we are also the greatest. All the others, and especially you, Rock and Roll Express, you're going downhill, brother. But we only get bigger, we only get faster, we only get smarter, we only get better looking, and we only get greater. We only win more. Often imitated, but never duplicated, brother. The Midnight Express, and I'm going to tell you this, Rock and Roll, sooner or later, we're going to corner you. We're going to get those world tag belts. I've told the referees are against us. Jim Crockett Promotions is against us. Everybody, the officials of the NWA, makes no difference because we can overcome everybody because we have right and might on our side. And Rock and Roll, you punks, 
You listen to all these goose chanting Cornet's a wimp and chanting rock and roll and saying all those other things derogatory about the Midnight Express. But one of these days, this team that you're trying to avoid so bad is going to sneak up from behind you or maybe sneak right up to your face and we're going to take those belts off from around your waist. Because you know what I want? I want everybody, in addition to recognizing that these men are the greatest tag team on the face of the earth, I want everybody to know how great I am. See this jacket right here? I don't want no handkerchief there, brother. It's silk, but I don't want it. You know what I want? I want a whole row of medals just like Ollie. That's what I want. A whole row of medals just like Ollie's got spread across his chest because we do give the youth of America somebody to look up to, somebody to want to be like, somebody to want to grow up like. You didn't have no heroes, Tony, when you were little, did you? David Crockett obviously didn't because he didn't want to grow up to be like nobody. After all, there never has been anybody like that. All you kids in America, you don't have nobody to emulate. When you're five years old, you can't look up at nobody and say, I want to be like them. But now you can because the Midnight Express are here. We're patriotic. We stand for our country in America and also the forces of right and might. And believe me, rock and roll, we will get the world tag team title. And we're coming right back. Don't go away. Well, Stan looks Stan looks like a, a crap head with those glasses on, man. Just sitting there. Uh, a what? Hulk, what did you? A crap head. He just a crap head. What do you? Yeah. Dead? Well, shithead. I mean, he just looks okay. so scummy. Way to get way to way to be unprofessional. Yeah. Looks like a poo poo head. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? What do you have from it, Doc? Not much. I didn't think that was one of Corny's best. Yeah. I was confused about some of it too. They're not impressed. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't they be impressed? Um, hey, man, just... you cut a promo every week for seven minutes. They can't all be winners. I'm okay with that. There's a problem in this show, but I, I guess I'll save it. There's a big my... problem with all of it. Now, here's the other thing, pal. Why is everybody <laughs> so patriotic on August 1st? Wouldn't this have been a theme to, theme to have back at like a month ago leading into July the 4th? Well, I, I think they're patriotic because of the bash, but isn't the bash almost over? Yeah, yeah, that's what's like kind of weird. America, America. Yeah, it's like America. they waited. I don't know. I agree, Doc. I'm, I'm, I'm with you here. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, and and he still love a fucking Oliver North. Mm. Yeah, he was talking about. I, I thought that was the only line that I was like, oh, okay, corny. He's yeah. talking about Oliver North with the fucking badges on his chest and whatnot but anyway uh i I agree not much there you can't hit a home run every single week yeah i mean i can't okay well the next match is jimmy garvin who defeats gladiator uh number two and um i'm sorry thunderfoot number two what am i saying yeah same Uh, thing (laughs) yeah uh you got anything from it hopper no I even right. watched this. I kind of fast forward through it. I was like, he's, <laughs> he's not even taking off his pants. I'm not even going to fucking watch it. Uh, Doc, what about you? Yeah, he didn't. I thought this was an opportunity, and he'll talk about it later, maybe after this match. I don't remember. He's going to talk about the leg, but I thought that he should have sold the leg a little bit. Oh, not a lot, from, from the cage match. match. Huh? You're talking about from the cage match. Yeah. Rick. Yeah. Well, Dude, a week ago he was supposed to have torn ligaments and and just passing out from the pain and jacked up and this week he's back to just like Yeah, they moved on from fucking Rick, huh? Hanging well, and banging. That's what I was about to tell y'all, which is really strange because first I need to ask 
are we playing the promo after the match? Because that's exactly what my note had in the promo. It's like, okay, they're just moving on from whatever happened with Rick. And it makes sense because Rick is now going to be tied up with Ron Garvin. It seems like it seems like all of this was just a way to get Ron Garvin pissed off at, at Ric Flair or, or vice versa. I would That's love exa- to be a fly on the wall on those discussions. Maybe we got to move on. Yeah, because it I, look, I, I'm, I'm fine with uh, moving on to Ronnie Garvin, but man, this dude tried to bang his wife and all of a sudden, no, just no, we're just going to move on from that. Yeah. I mean, if I plot, Oh, not only tried to bang his wife, but, he fucked his knee up, so wouldn't that mean Jimmy wants to go get some revenge? It wouldn't just be like, oh, okay. Guess I'm not going to do that. Not only that, I mean, she was basically, they positioned it as she was going to be forced to have sex with Rick, and now you're ready to move on to Paul Jones and Manny and Ivan. Like, That's not that big of a deal. Chicks like when you treat them that way. Wow. <laughs> Especially white ones, Doc. Is that what you're saying? I've, in, in my history, it's been all. Okay. All right. So we're we're not playing it then. The promo. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> He's drunk. We go next to Nikita versus David Isley. A very quick match. Nikita defeats David Isley. Doc, any thoughts? I always wonder who's the Isley brother fan in this. You know who that is, Mike? The Isley brothers, of course, mm-hmm. I do. Okay. Yeah, right. Sing yeah. a song. Well, I mean, they they sung uh, "Between the Sheets" for the love of you. I mean, that was all yeah. kind of shit they sang. Well, look now. at him, man. He's gonna break out some Teddy Pendergrass here in a minute I if mean, we don't watch out. The fucking Isley Brothers, bro. Who the hell doesn't know who that is? Sixty percent of our audience. <laughs> bro, if you don't know who the Isley Brothers is, something's wrong with you. I'm very aware. I, would, I want Hopper Hop for sing an Ozzy Brothers song for me, please. Okay. please. Smooth opinion. No, <laughs> no come on, Hopper. Give me an Ozzy uh, Brothers song, man. I don't know. Uh, out in the back streets, <laughs> I hear a heartbeat. If you're going to sing that, you got to sing it in Gomer Paul's song. <laughs> that, that got me going this Monday when I heard the Smoky Mountain episode again. <laughs> that uh, Gomer Paul in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, wait, 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 how's it go? Out in the back streets, I hear a heartbeat. God damn it, we're gonna rock America. There you go. <laughs> I tell you, we got a good pop on social media. <laughs> was was Doc joking about Ricky Morton? Being on the Supreme Court. <laughs> that got a nice little reaction. Um, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's reaction to Ricky Morton on the. Mr. On, Morton. On the <laughs> Mr. Morton. What? What, baby? I'm just trying to trying to please all these nice people out here. <laughs> we get to recess. Do you want to go visit me in the van, old lady? Oh Jesus! Okay, let's keep it moving. Heard our van is double parked out at the out in the parking lot. Let's get the let's decide some cases. Uh, speaking of the R and R, we got a standard Ricky Morton and Rock and Roll Express promo coming up where Ricky's got a Los Angeles Dodgers baseball uh, style T shirt on. Gibson had one. Morton had something on too. They were probably you know checking out movie deals. 
Yeah. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. That's the year they won the World Series, right? 88 was, 88. was when they won it. Oh, okay, yeah, we're 87. Okay, so I missed yeah. it. All right. Uh, okay, so, um, but they they he both got on. the year the Rangers won it. What? <laughs> I'm just, I like yeah, to They didn't win it, huh? When no. things work out well for me, I just like to make up my own reality. Okay, well, I, I we're skipping the rock and roll then, is that correct? That's uh, good, uh, great. There's not a lot that they can do to stop you from, but there's a whole lot they can do to something or other. Look, All I'm right. just putting as much effort into this as apparently the talent did. <laughs> yeah, because they everybody uh, mailed the show in. Oh man! After a hot show last week, they were just kind of like, "Oh, all right." Well, I am gonna play Nikita because he he fucking takes a jab at Cornette, man. Here it is. We are back with this Nikita. man, the Russian nightmare, Nikita Kola. Tony, I have a question for you. Did I hear Jim Cornette out here talking about Nikita Kola? That's correct. He said well, you're that. You're wrong, Cornette. You're wrong. You see, I don't need a belt to hold up my belt, Cornette. Unlike you, who need two. Now, Lux Luger, Tony, I'll give you a list. Read this for me. Okay, the names on this list that you gave me the Raging Bull, Ivan Koloff, <laughs> Vladimir Pietrov, Arn Anderson, Dory Funk Jr., and Rick Steiner. Oh, very good wrestler. No doubt about that. Would you not say? Yes, every one of them. And each wrestler, you just read out, I defend USA title again, and I defeat, and many, many more besides on this list. Lex Luger, what I tried to tell you is no avoid Nikita Koloff. No avoid me. Each time you ask for a contract, Nikita Koloff signed. Each time you ask, if you want to be a champion, Lex Luger, if you want to be half a man, you say you are Pajaro Star Luger. Pajaro Star. You sign a contract to <laughs> defend. You sign a contract to defend. You sign a I'm not afraid of you, Lex Luger. Are you? Shatoata. Nikita Kola, fans, let's go back to the ring. <laughs> All right, Doc, what'd you say? I don't know. I don't care. He, Doc's salty. <laughs> he just... I tune out. The sound it of was his funny voice. when he was talking about Cornette with the belt size. Though, with, uh, it yeah. was? Yeah, that was funny. Didn't you agree, Hopper? Yeah. Well, I sound like it. Mr. Cornette. <laughs> Could you read this for me? Trying to talk in a Russian accent, and it's so pathetic that you're just like that you can't help but laugh. And he's like, "What that corner say about uh, I need belt? Oh, shut up! No, I don't need belt. You need belt, corner. You need two belt. <laughs> what? Okay. Did he become Japanese? <laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh, I got nothing else. What do you got, Hopper? Nothing. <laughs> so after that, Barry Windham defeats Dave Spearman. Man, I was hold on. I was on the treadmill watching this when Nikita was cutting that promo, and it was bad. But I was running, so I didn't want to stop and fast forward it. So I thought if for some reason I can't, I thought if I just ran faster, it would be over sooner. And then it didn't, so I was all blown up when the shit was over. I was like, just pissed off. I hate this fucking shit. I'm quit. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's nice, Doc. So, 
After all of that and Doc's frustration, then he watched Barry Windham defeat Dave Spearman. And then after that, he watched the Barry Windham promo. And y'all are going to hear me out for a second. Uh-oh. Why? I'm not playing it, but okay. they have just completely killed Barry's momentum. I said it last week and the week before probably, but this Why, dude was on this dude was on fire when he was working with Rick, and now he's just Is this because on. he fu- he screwed over Dusty a few years ago and Dusty's getting him back? Somebody out there knows Moretti probably knows this. Somebody help out here. I mean, why would they do this that? Is, this is this feels like d- intentional sabotage. It's, it feels like Tim Horner, but taller. I I just can't figure out. You I mean, can't even. I can't even. <laughs> like the broad say, I can't even, or ugh, or FML. Because like, okay, right, so FML. if he came in and was going to wrestle Flair and they were like, holy shit, he's not any good. We got to get out of this. That's one thing. But dude, he lit it up. He came in and set it on fire when it was... I mean, remember that match mm-hmm. we watched? It was like 20 minutes long? Yeah. Punch the pussy, dude. They beat the piss out of each other. It was phenomenal. Time it limit was, draw. It was phenomenal. And, he, and now he's talking about the Western States Heritage. And... I mean, yeah, it's with supposedly Arn Anderson that he's going to be battling for this thing, but I, I just like, I don't. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen, man. It don't, don't make know, a man. damn lick of sense. Is the, is what it is. He's a hell of a talent. Uh, here's uh, my biggest complaint: is Hopper? Would you agree? Like, or what do you think? He's he's right. like one of their best talents there, and he's just being like. Underutilized, and if I mean, it's because like he, said, and if it's like Tim he, Horner. but if it's because he can't cut a promo, then why are we giving Ron Garvin time? Well, Barry wasn't the greatest promo, but I mean that's not the that's not even why I'm mad right now at during this time period. It has nothing to do with them sending him out there to do promos. It's just like he went from talking about competing for the NWA World Heavyweight Title to within a couple of months just. Saying, yeah, screw that. Then he mentions, if you remember, for like a month or so, the UWF title, which, uh, okay, I can live with that. No, no, no. Come on. To now, the Western States Heritage. Come on, man. That's prestigious. Yeah. All right, if you say so. Uh, Let's keep it moving. After Barry cuts his promo, uh, which they've killed his momentum, we got Arn and Tully. They defeat Keith Patterson and Dexter Westcott. Dexter Westcott is who got stretched severely bad by Ronnie Garvin, so I'm sure he was very happy that he faced off against Arn and Tully. And, Doc, what thoughts do you have from this match, if any? Well, we now have a legitimate contender for these world titles that these titles are now in jeopardy. I agree. I mean, it's Arn and Tully, man. We got a super Uh, team here. Well, we didn't know that ahead of time. This that's true. I'm tagging together, man. Yeah, that's true. If uh, we're going to talk about it like it's real, we got to treat it like it's real. Oh, it is real. What are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. All right. Hopper, any thoughts from the match before we go to that? That promo? guy sold well. Which the, one? Uh, Keith Patterson? Yeah. The black dude yeah. sold well for him. The black yeah, he, dude. Well, I don't well, know what the guy's was, name was. His name is Keith Patterson. Dude. Yeah, yeah there you go. Dude. 
Just, just call him oh. Darky. Um, you're starting shit as as always. So let's keep moving. We got right now. We got JJ Tully and Arn out there. Uh, let's hear what they have to say. This is after the match with uh, Tully and Arn. Richmond, we always say rule wrestling, and there was a good example why. Great tag team action right there from these two men. You know, I hear the Rock and Roll Express out here talking about our fans. We know what we've done. We know who we are, and we love our fans because they've supported us all this time. But when you see, when you look out into your driveway, and you're one of the four horsemen, and all you see in the driveway is Porsches and Jaguars and BMWs and Mercedes-Benz, and you're already in a level above what most fans can relate to. You see, nobody with money pays cash for anything. You use somebody else's money. So each month you do, by necessity, have to make payments. And the bank, you don't write a little note saying, hey, I'm not going to pay you this much because the fans said, I'm a nice guy, and they really like me. But when you show up with that whole cold, hard cash, there's nobody at the bank that says, now, how did you get that? Would you do a little something underhanded to win the world television title? Frankly, they don't care. I don't care. These boys don't care. That's why we're the horsemen. When you run in intelligent, intellectual circles and you're faced with being around people that are a little less fortunate than yourself, education-wise, you have to show them by illustrating, by example. What that was was a widespread, intellectual Example, it's directed to you, Barry Windham. You see, you beat them all, all across this country. But your hand beat the ones that mattered, and that's the four horsemen. You deserve to be the Western States Heritage Champion. You've earned it. You beat them all. But the bottom line is, you're not beating me. You haven't beat Tully. You haven't beat Flair. You haven't beat Luger. So when I tell you it's all over, I'm not feeling naked no more. We're coming for you, Wyndham. I'm coming for you. You take it to the bank, because the bottom line is, Wyndham, I'm going to be a champion. And Rock and Roll Express, if there was ever a tone set, it was this time last year when, yes, the both of you were hurting. It all came down to Star K-9. And the only reason the four horsemen are not world tag team champions is because we had one guy that's mine was somewhere else. This time, Tony's mind's on it, my mind's on it. We will be your world tag team champions. You know, J.J., Arn, you're talking about the Rock and Roll Express, and they come out here and talking about everybody they beat tag team wrestling. Well, that's all well and good. But you know, they come out here, Robert can't talk a lick. He stands out here doing this all the time mm. or something. The horsemen are great single wrestlers. The only reason we are not world tag team champions is because no two of us have gone after them yet. And you talk about your fans. You look at all these people out here in their shorts and beat up t-shirts. And then you look at the horsemen fans. Coat and tie. That's what it's all about. The class of the world, the class of the wrestling world are horsemen fans. They believe in the symbol of success. And when Art and I say we're coming after the world tag team champions, we are coming after because we will have the world's tag team championship belts around our waist because we are the horsemen yeah. and because we say so. That's it. It's been your pleasure as usual. We're coming right back, fans. Don't go away. All right, Hopper, what do you have? Hello, JJ, which is basically saying um, they just give a shit about fucking results. They don't care how you fucking got it done. And fucking a- Barry and fucking uh, Gibson, man. Mm. What the fuck? <laughs> mm. uh, I should have wrote down the exact moment he said it. I wanted to. 
I wanted to I mean, play what, it again. Hey, come on. It's not his <laughs> fault he's, you know, Gibson. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> damn. Uh, Doc, what about you? That might be the shining moment from the episode so far. Well, yeah, because I did have a note back to, to Barry Wyndham's promo. Okay. Remember when he's cutting that little promo about the Western States? Man, Arn came out for his match and was chirping at him, dude, on the way yeah. out in the ring, just talking shit. And then Arn was in, intense as usual in the match, and then intensity personified during that promo, dude. So Arn, that, that Barry Wyndham may be cooled off, and that title may be shit, but nobody's clued in Arn to that shit because he's on it. So yeah, my point, my point here was was that JJ was fantastic. Tully was fantastic, and mm-hmm. and Arn was even better just by how intense he was. Did you catch Arn? He's like ripped Ole a little when he said he he would be yeah. tag champs, but he had one guy whose mind mm-hmm. was somewhere else. It's not my fault. We weren't tag champs. It's that old bastard's fault. Yeah, yeah. But dude, when he was sniping at Wyndham and went on his way out to the ring off camera, just you could hear him just. I think he threw Wyndham off. I'd forgotten about that till He did. I didn't play it because it was so short and it was not much there but from Barry. But you're right. Arn, Arn was chirping at him and he was barking at him. And he might have thrown Barry off because Barry was kind of a little discombobulated. And Arn, Arn just said, let me get some of that brass ring, pal. All right. So we got Dusty up next. But what is Tully? Wait, what is Tully out there doing, making fun of people's parents? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some heel sh- shit. That's some heel shit. That's the same kind of shit because he thinks he's the Black Tully, the Blully, Phil Allen would do. <laughs> okay, so Tully was out there rad for that one, man. Uh, he just told the Saps to go to hell too uh, on the slick. All right, let's go now. We got Dusty Rhodes who comes out next, and let's see what Dusty's got to say. Here it is. And we're back with the World Championship Wrestling. And at the top of the program, we talked about the total package. The U.S. champion, Lex Luger, going up against the legend in this sport, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. You know, we talk about legends all through this show, talking about legendary people such as Ric Flair, the Jack Briscoes, the NWA World's heavyweight champions throughout this country. Very few men can say they was World's Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, the National Wrestling Alliance, Dusty Rhodes on three different occasions were. Nikita Koloff, as I said on many occasions, numerous occasions, is the greatest single athlete I've ever had as a partner standing in my corner. Now whether Lex Luger gives him the opportunity to regain the United States Heavyweight title back, that's another thing. Because Lex Luger, we got a name for him down around LaGrange, Texas. We call him Pretty Boys. You know what I'm talking about? Just like these guys sitting out here with these suits on. They Pretty Boys. These people sitting over here now, they common people like Dusty Rose, the American Dream. Like my daddy, like my mama. So all the Pretty Boys over here, come over here, I want to show you. Get a shot of these Pretty Boys. You see these boys back here? All them boys that... That's what you call pretty boy. Lex Luger, you're a pretty boy. You know what I mean? You are a pretty boy. But now that you've mentioned the name of Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, you have stepped into another dimension of wrestling. To be 
United States Heavyweight Champion the way you wanted was a fluke. To be a husband is a fluke. To be wealthy and famous is a fluke. Dusty Rhodes in the last three weeks made a half a million dollars. That ain't no fluke. I can buy and sell you Lex Luger with a twist of a pin on a check. And that's a fact. I am the most talented individual in this country. And in Denver, Colorado on the 17th, after a weekend of fun and frolic, you will see the National Wrestling Alliance. The product, bell time to bell time, there is no better. And I'm bringing it to the Rocky Mountains. And my brother, Animal, recovered from the eye injury. Now, the Warriors got to deal with Chicago. The match beyond comes to Chicago. Dues to be paid all over. Lex Luger, million dollar face, million dollar body. P-Brain head, P-Brain. Wants Dusty Rhodes the American Dream. A magnificent athlete that he is, Lex Luger. You are a magnificent athlete. You are truly the total package. But Dusty Rhodes is the legend. And when I see the spotlights, I know I'm one of the chosen few. And gentlemen, these gentlemen here, I got one word for you, two words. You suck. Go to the ring. Okay, let me go first. I, I We all love Dusty Road. We all love Dusty. Would you Uh-oh. agree? Uh-oh, here comes a fucking comes. hit job, man. He's like fucking Tonya Harding with his tire iron. Dusty's okay. that he, horse face bitch that's about Dusty to get was, in the Dusty, Dusty was good talking about Luger being a pretty boy and all that. Was he? Was he? You're being I nice. Fine with okay. that. I was fine with that. Why, why is he even putting the dudes in the crowd over? For like, real, why, huh? Why would you draw attention because they're more like, over than he is right now. Well, a couple weeks ago, you said, Doc, that you felt Dusty was feeling the pressure. Like, right now in this promo, he sounds salty. Like, he's just mad about something. And so then he goes after these these fans who are just sitting there dressed up in suits and trying to be the horsemen. I, it, it didn't have to go there. And it's Dusty Rose, and I'm a nobody, but... Like, no, here's you the thing. watch it now. That, that is they, but for. those guys, that Hitchcock crew over there, they pride themselves on being the first smart fans, if you will, kind of. That's not Hitchcock and Mitchell right there. But you know what I'm talking. Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I mean, I, I, again, I'm not blaming the guys in the front row right there. I'm not. You can dress and do whatever the fuck you want. But why is the baby face? You're supposed to be the baby face. Why are you out there saying, calling these bunch, calling these people a bunch of stupid idiots? He basically called them uh, queer. You're the fucking lead baby face of the promotion. Picking on fans. He also yeah. told, yeah. when he told it's that, not... that, that he told that woman that a year ago she was too fat to ride. Mm-hmm. But that was great. Yeah, that was great. And he was talking about. <laughs> Wasn't he talking about baby doll at that time? So oh, yeah. That was, yeah. A little, that was a little bit different. Uh, dude, don't ignore those dudes in the suits if they're booing you. 
Don't even don't even give him credit. Just leave him alone. Dusty, you know what? You know what's funny? If you hear the story, this, this was bad all the way around. And the only one on. I liked was when he said, "From bell to bell, the NWA." Bro, oh, but hold on a second. If you hear them stories from like John Hitchcock and Bruce Mitchell that they've told, if you if you if you really listen to those all those stories, and then you watch this stuff right here, you know what Dusty had a problem with? What? He did not know how to no sell shit. Cause it seems like I'm just saying, based on like the the stuff I've read in in um in some of John Hitchcock's book, and then listening to Hitchcock's stories, you got to take them for what they're worth. I mean, I've heard numerous people validate them. It's like it seems like Dusty couldn't no sell. Like, bro, just ignore it. Like, why are you even giving it? Well, you also, like I said, you don't know what else is going on behind the scenes because they they bought Florida, they bought Central States, they bought UWF. He's probably getting pressure. He should be at least to to find something for those UWF guys because they have talent. And, man, there's just a lot of moving parts we don't see. I think you should be a little bit less harsh on Dusty. I love when you try to play babyface like you're doing right now. <laughs> Hopper, what did you have from this? Yeah, I thought like he went out of his way to fuck with those people. <laughs> and they're just fans, just sitting there minding, the, you know, minding their own business. You know, I mean, what the fuck? If if Jay Spade, Jay Spade's a babyface, right? In Wildcat, uh, right? Went out and did that. He would be a heel. Well, not only that, uh, how many people would be screaming at him? What the hell are you doing? Yeah, I mean, people would definitely be thinking that. You can't. I don't know, man. All right, I'm I'm not on the soapbox. I think I think you're right, Doc. He's feeling the pressure. I just like, why would you even give those dudes credibility? Mm-hmm. Anything else, Hopper? No, it's just, yeah, I think he was just pissed. Uh, yeah, obviously. A... Maybe he uh, feels we... like he's losing his fucking thunder. I, I don't know. I guess. So, Doc, anything else before we go to Sean Royal defeating Ricky Nelson? Car wreck, I guess, right? I guess. Um... The black chicks love him. What? <laughs> in a crowd <laughs> I hate when Doc does that on the show cause I don't know sometimes if he really can't hear and Skype's giving problems or if he's just trying to be like what <laughs> like Austin <laughs> what uh, so I'll assume he heard it yeah, I, heard I, every, I heard everything about <laughs> some sisters loving them some, some skinny white meat up there in the ring pal yeah with bad haircuts. Jesus. Uh, any thoughts, Doc? On that's Sean their Rover? ticket out of the ghetto. You hush. Oh. Any? That's nice. He's the white Doc. prize. White any Mike? thoughts on? Uh... Is, is Archie the white prize, Mike? <laughs> 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 well, she lost that. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean Roy. Any thoughts on Sean Roy defeating Ricky Nelson, Doc? None. Not one. Right. No, nothing. The only thought I had was this must be when the car wreck happened. Yeah. Okay. And why did they say he had gone back to the future to handle some details? He had to go back to the future, man. <laughs> right. he, had to, he had to go buy some fucking Bitcoin. Right. Paul Jones and Ivan Koloff. Like I said, that whole gimmick has holes in it. Because if it's, if you knew if you're from the future, you would have known he got in a car wreck. Anyway, Whoa. Paul Jones. 
takes uh is out there with Ivan Koloff cutting a promo. Uh, Doc, are we playing this? Which Dude. one? Paul, Paul, Paul Jones. Jones and Ivan Koloff. Koloff. No, but the only per- I figured it out. The person who is hurt most by Magnum's car wreck is Ivan Koloff. Uh, yeah. They're both probably equally hurt. No, no. Ivan got a way worse deal than Magnum did. Oh, you mean if you're uh, talking about it in, worse than Magnum? Yeah, hell yeah. Ivan has been well, nothing no. ever since ever since Magnum couldn't handle that tight turn. Ivan's career has just been in the shitter. Yeah, no. Ivan, huh? Ivan didn't get a worse deal than Magnum. I mean, I, Ivan yes, is still did. wrestling. Okay, you're just an asshole. Uh, I did laugh when Ivan told Jimmy Garvin to ask Precious for permission to take his apron off so he can come fight. I thought that was great. I miss Ivan being involved in something major and cutting promos on TV weekly. Uh Uh-oh, what's that? I hate that fucking phone. It's fucking (laughs) muted. My phone is fucking muted. And randomly, ads just start playing out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) And it scares the shit out of me every fucking time. (laughs) You better stop watching porn on that thing, man. That's why that's like some kind of malware fucking Trojan horse that's infected your shit. And that's why it's doing that, man. Yeah. Whatever the ad is, click yes and then enter your credit card number. (laughs) Hey, Doc, I can see Hopper in the middle of stroking his old lady. (laughs) <laughs> he's really concentrating hard and the head goes off and he's like oh shit what the fuck Damn, he's, got a, he's concentrating he's kind of got his tongue hanging out of his mouth but up like, to go, uh, go, go, on the top go. of his upper lip like really concentrating and thrusting and <laughs> a little bead of, bead of sweat starting to form and just, he's working on it he's stroking away and uh, then he starts telling his old lady about the duck that he hit and yeah. And then the phone oh, goes off. Okay. Um, all right. Say quack. So, Say quack. <laughs> he's going to do that, dude. I'm going to fuck you like I fucked that duck up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do he's, he's chasing her around the bedroom. yelling, will quack. And she's like, Harper, quit it. Why are you carrying this? Squeegee. <laughs> don't, don't hit me with that again. <laughs> say, say quack, motherfucker. Say quack, bitch. <laughs> say quack. Quack! <laughs> say it again. Stop it, Harper. This isn't funny anymore. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. My son's going to for you. Okay, so, uh, again, uh, Paul Jones and I have a little pissed at home. No, I don't care. Paul Jones and Ivan Koloff, they cut their promo, like I said. Uh, Ivan told Jimmy Garvin to ask Precious for permission to take his apron off so that they can fight. We'll have to see what happens there. Ron Garvin does defeat Thunderfoot number one with the hands of stone. Uh, Garvin has Thunderfoot one in a bridge that has Thunderfoot tied in a pretzel for like 10 seconds uh, in this match. But uh, I don't have anything else. Uh, Hopper, anything else from Garvin versus Thunderfoot one? No. The head-to-toe head right. to get pajamas there just makes it hard to get involved yes. whether it's you know, the samurai or the hornet or the dark secret in smoky mountain or the thunderfoots or the whatever the avengers or the infernos or the whatever 
this just I don't like that look. Yeah. Well, well, they have no other than the fact that they're masked men. They have no personality. They have zero personality. There's nothing there, right, Harper? Right. They're just the guys with covered, and they're just. I mean, they shouldn't even have names. Yeah, it, they're not like Mr. Wrestling 1 or right. 2 mm-hmm. or The Grappler. They're just there. Nothing You're right. to them. They're like um, the Stormtroopers in fucking Star Wars. They're just there to die. <laughs> He's got a point. No personality. Nothing. You just stand there and shoot, choom, and then I shoot you, and then you fall. Yeah. And no matter how many times they shoot their gun, they're never going to hit you. <laughs> It's yep. a fact. All right. So we do need to listen to this. We got Ronnie Garvin. It's important because we're not that far away from Starcade now. Uh, we're just a few months away, three months away. Uh, actually, four months. What am I talking about? It's August 1st, but you, you get my point. Um, so here, let's uh, let's go to it. Three months. It's in Thanksgiving. That's right. Here it is. World Championship Wrestling. The man with a hand of stone that we talked about. Number one contender for the World Heavyweight title held by Ric Flair. Well, you know, it doesn't take much to get my attention, especially when the world's heavyweight champion comes on television and says he wants me. Uh, either you're a fool <laughs> or you're a complete imbecile. Something's wrong with you, Ric Flair, because I'm going to tell you, I went around the country and knocked you out about three or four different times, and that's probably why you became a fool. That's probably why you're an idiot. Well, I am going to tell you, you got my attention. I'm easy to find, and you will find me. You will find me all over this country, all over these arenas. You're going to see Ronnie Garvin. You're going to be looking across the ring from me. You see, when I came to this country, and by the way, I am very proud to be an American. Very proud of it. This is my country. This is my land. And when I crossed the border and came over here, they told me it was a land of opportunity. Well, it is. Because everything I got today and everything I know today and everything I do today, I owe it to this country. But you see, you can do whatever you want in this country. You can become anything you want. Well, there's one thing I've always wanted to be ever since I was a little boy. And that is being at the top of whatever I was going to do. And that's professional wrestling. I've held many titles. But there is one, the ultimate, the biggest one of them all, the only one there is. And I'm talking about the world's heavyweight title. And that's what I want. The last decade, the last 10 years, only two men really had it. Only two men have been talked about as far as world's heavyweight champion, and I'm talking about the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and Ric Flair. And if you go back about 20 years, a handful, I can count on my hand, a handful of men out of thousands of wrestlers have had the world's heavyweight title around their waist. Well, it's not easy to get there. But it's been a long, hard road, and Ric Flair, the time has come for me to put my name in a history book. And it's because of you. You give me that extra incentive. You give me that extra determination because you said you want me. You remind me of Uncle Sam. I want you. Well, you're going to have me. You're going to have me, and that is a promise. And you're going to be sorry. One day you will be at this desk with your head down and you're going to say I made a mistake and you're going to say that you are not the champion you're going to be bare you're going to be without that title because Ronnie Garvin will have it and I'm going to tell you something I am coming for you Ric Flair for you Ronnie Garvin 
We're coming back. Don't go away. All right, uh, Doc, you first. Uh, what you what you got from that? Ain't a chance in hell he's taking this title. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Why is he so? Why is he so patriotic? His ass wouldn't even. Yeah, born really. In this con- he wasn't born in this country. That's nice. Doc. So you know what we? You know, hey, you weren't born here. It's time for you to leave. We don't like immigrants here. <laughs> yeah, but he's a white one that speaks English. So. Oh, never mind. Come on in. Yeah, come on. Here's in, some money. Here's some money. Bring your dog too. Yeah, bring it all. You're all you got any blankets and smallpox on them? We could use those here. That's that's the one. That's the that's the that's the one right there. When, when the white when the white man started passing out smallpox, even even the Indians they made friends with uh, the Native Americans they made friends with. They were like, "Oh no, we're friendly." Here's a here's a blanket, and the blanket was just infested with fucking smallpox, and just took I made it, tribes. I made a decision too, man. I hit that fork in the road because the the boy is learning. You know. He's in first grade this year. They're they're actually learn about Thanksgiving instead of just like oh, Thanksgiving. So he was like, yeah, "I learned about Thanksgiving today," and I was like, "Did you break your fame?" That's exactly. I was like, "Do I let him hold on to this fucking honky fantasy one more year? Or do I break? <laughs> do I break this shit now?" Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny, Doc. Okay. Uh, can we talk about the promo? And since you decided that you wanted to get political, I don't for understand. A I, I just feel like Dusty is mad behind the scenes, and he's just you know we've talked about his promo, but like maybe Dusty was watching like something on TV last night. It was patri- like an old patriotic war movie, and it got him all stirred up. So he came in. He's like, "All right, boys," and he wanted everybody to be patriotic today. I don't know. I just don't get it. That's actually a good point, but I, I, not talking about that, I did like the fact that Ronnie talked about there's only been a couple of people who have held that title, and, and he wants it. And I That's because they manipulate it, but we can't break that kayfabe. Yeah, no, I hear you. Harper, what did you have from it? Yeah, I don't get the whole American fucking hero shit. I mean, it's the first uh, time you hear that he's a foreigner. Not just that, but Doc hit on, Doc hit on it too. I mean, you got Cornette out there talking about being right. patriotic. Like, well, I think well, that's what I'm what saying. I mean, it's not the Fourth of July, <laughs> right? I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe that fucking part Reagan had a big speech that you know that fucking week or something. That could be it. Who knows? Sure. All right, I mean, oh, y'all do with the Soviet Union. Uh, was this when the Berlin Wall came down? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, the, the Berlin Wall references. Travis mm. Rains on the Facebook group will love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, any any other thoughts before we go to Rick? No. I just don't get the whole Americana, you know, America shit. Yeah, what year? Because I don't get it in any year. But, I mean, it's... It's like not the 4th of July. I mean, nothing's, you know. And it was just the 4th of July. So not only is it not the 4th of July, but you just missed a super-duper opportunity to roll that out. Right. I don't know. I really don't. Uh, no, so wonder keep... this, no wonder this promotion's about to go in the shitter. <laughs> let's keep going. Because we do have Ric Flair coming out next. And um, Rick's going yeah, Rick's gonna, to Rick's gonna put some life into the show, hopefully. Here it is. The symbol of the four horsemen. 
And here's the man, the heavyweight champ of the world, Nature Boy, Ric Flair. And I'm sure you may have heard the comments from Ron Garvin just a few minutes ago. Well, Tony Schiavone, I've sat back. The Ted Turner's private office, and I've had the privilege of watching one of the greatest hours of wrestling I've ever seen. And if you look over there, boys, you're right. Dusty Rhodes said it. You guys style. You style. You heard Dusty say it himself. You style and your profile. And please, on your way out the door, tell Ted Turner, whoo, what's causing all of it. You see, I'll tell you something. It's one thing to be able to wear a thousand dollar suit, five hundred dollar shoes, and a Rolex, and ride around in a limousine and fly in private jets, but it's another thing to walk out here on what we know to be the greatest wrestling program in the world, which means the greatest wrestlers in the world. And I'm talking about you, Dusty Rhodes. You're one of the greatest of all time. I'm talking about the Four Horsemen. I'm talking about Tola. I'm talking about Paul Jones. I'm talking about all the greats that are here. But it's another thing to walk out here, Tony Schiavone, and you follow our sport pretty closely and be able to camp all the ceremonies off by being able to hold this in your hand and tell everybody that you are unequivocally the best there is. You see, I never used the phrase the real world champion because it's recognized in our business that there's only one, and you're looking at it. And Ronnie Garvin, you made mention of the fact that you're gonna dog me. Well, pal, for trying to embarrass me, I got one thing on my mind, and that's retiring you. You're great, Garvin, one of the greatest of all time. But you're not Ric Flair. You're not mad enough to beat Ric Flair, and I promise that you, you're telling the world, I'm gonna walk out here and hang my head. What I'm telling you, Garvin, is I'm gonna retire you from this business. You're great, you're tough, you've done it all, but pal, taking me is something you know nothing about. Denver, Colorado, Dusty Rhodes said it himself. There's gonna be some fun and frolic over the weekend, Monday the 17th, the world's heavyweight champion, along with the four horsemen and NWA, woo, blow Denver off the map, just like the New York Giants did. Woo! Let's go back to the ring. All right, Doc, you think you're going to at least show Flair some love? Not his best. Yeah. Hmm. Just kind of off. It's like everybody's off. He's still saying all some of the words, but it just didn't. It didn't click like it normally does. I mean, I like the fact that he came out and said he was going to retire him. I like that. Hopper, you? Yeah, I mean, he was all right. I See? mean, there's <laughs> no such thing as a bad Rick promo, but this was not a, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's. I don't know. Maybe there's. Maybe the y'all went out and got fucked up the night before. Probably hit the tag. This is a weird episode. This is a weird episode, man. And I, I don't remember why I'm ready to say what I'm about to say. Why? 
But it certainly felt like they cut something and didn't give us everything. Because something somebody said somewhere in this episode about something that happened earlier. And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't see that. I can't remember what it was either. Well, I'm with you all. Rick, that wasn't his best. wasn't bad, but it wasn't his best. And, he did call uh, somebody go- pal. Yeah, that's true. That's Still. always good to call somebody pal. We get it. Vince Jr. over there. Uh, so we go next. It's Lex Luger who defeats Alan Martin. And then there's a Lex promo. Um, I, Doc, yeah. you want to say so anything about it? it? I'm sorry. What was it? A Le- we go to a Lex promo with JJ after Lex defeats Alan Martin. This Did was you? not good. It, it really wasn't. <laughs> the only good thing about this was uh, when he talked about his fucking – his uh his little dating game thing in Philly, he's like, Yeah, I took a very ordinary woman out. Great. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't have nothing, bro. It was just Yeah. Fuck, bitch. Um so we'll keep going. We got Ivan Koloff defeats Dale Laparouse. Hey, I, and here's the thing. No, let, let's get back here for a second. These, you, there are numerous stories littered across the death of the territories and on these old wrestling, classic wrestling podcasts that a lot of these old timers are like, eh, we're not too worried about Vince. Well, let me tell you something, Dusty. You better get worried about Vince because he's, he's trying to do you in and he's, he's about to finish the national expansion and you guys are in trouble. So y'all, y'all need to wake up and get serious down at Techwood. Why are you Sweet. talking about it like it's real? Because I'm trying, I feel like if we keep talking about it like it's real, we can reverse time, and maybe Vince will go out of business instead. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way, way. Da, da, da. I'll, how's it going? Barbara, I'd love to say, I, let's put two pieces of electrical tape around your junk and send you out on a battleship. <laughs> <laughs> And the best part about that fucking video is she has her fucking kid out there playing a goddamn guitar with her. Staring at her ass. Yeah, what the fuck? What trash? <laughs> that was a terrible video. What are you talking about? That share video you were talking about where she's on like a fucking naval ship with her fucking ass out. God, that was... It was, it was frustrating because I was still probably an early young teenager, but she, so there was some ass hanging out, but she was like as old as my mom, so I was like, now I'm confused. <laughs> what do I, I remember, do with it? What do I do with I re- this? I remember like um, uh, going by my dad's house and my stepmom at the time, she like, she like, I don't know if she was like this um, feminist or whatever, but... I remember her cutting a promo on that video one day when it came on. I was like, they're just jealous. <laughs> she's got. She's like, why is she out there with her ass out with all those male sailors? Uh, mm, well, that's exactly why she's out there with her ass because out. Because she with can't do it, right? Uh, so okay. Again, Ivan Koloff defeats Dale Laparouse, and then we go to Ricky Morton. Uh, Morton Morton tells, well, am I playing it, Doc? I, no. Let's not just well, let's just go home. No, well, I want to ask this because it's kind of funny actually what happens with the two of them. Who? Because well, Morton slaps the fuck out of him, man. Yeah, you might want to play that. Okay, it's, there ain't much it's in this even... episode. We gotta go to what's there. Yeah, here's here's Ricky Morton, um, and then we'll play the slap. 
Good there, but then Ricky Morton won't have the World Tag Team Champions back out, Rick. Let's make sure, Tony. You know, I listened to the monitor a little bit earlier about the Art Anderson telling Blanchard and JJ Dillon being out here. Make no mistake about it, brother. We are the World Tag Team Champions. Let us take instance. Take instance one time. You tell it, Blanchard. You're the one out here running your mouth and all the things that you can do, brother, and all the money you got. But I can stand on my billfold, brother, and jump right over your head, Jack, and think about it. There's nothing you, you'd be able to do about it. So, if your mouth is so big and all the things that you can do, you see, I went back and I got dressed, Tony. There's nothing stopping you, brother. So just come on out here and do what's got to be done. If there's a problem, we'll sell it, all right? Ricky Morton, fans, more action right after this time. All right, so they go to commercial and they come back. I, I popped I popped when I heard Ricky talking about he'll stand on his billfold. Is there not another old white man saying Bill, that, that? That's old as fuck. Look at this that's billfold. A... Look at this billfold. It's all the way live. Jesus Christ, the billfold. God damn. <laughs> that's some old white man booker logic term right Oh, now. let me get my billfold. I'll give you a crisp $1 bill for uh, cleaning out all those weeds. That's like fucking traveler checks. It's just something that, like, you don't even fucking. I mean, no one says that shit anymore. Right. Bill Fold. All right, let's keep going. Because um, after the commercial, some shit goes down. Here it is. Rubio of Stark Florida against the White Raider, but right here, Tony Blanchard and JJ Dillon have walked up to the ring. Here at Ringside and talk with me. That was a pretty tight-ass slap, bro. So, Ricky Morton basically pops the piss out of Tully uh, as they're about to show another match. And then Morton and Tully end up just fighting until they go off air. But, uh, Doc, any thoughts now that we've seen the slap? Dude, I'm telling you now, this thing's heating up. About time. We've been 60 minutes here. and I mean this angle. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's over with. Harper. You anything? No. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's just fucking rate this shit then, because I don't want to throw it to Doc first, because I know he's salty on this episode. What you got? Me? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait for him to do what? You'd be surprised how many beers you can crush by your skipping promos over there. Um, a C. Yeah. And I feel like I might be being generous here. I think you are being generous. This shit gets a C minus, man. Yeah. Okay. I could be I'm giving it a C. I could be talking I mean, that. I mean, it's an hour long, so that, you know, that's a plus. <laughs> that gets a plus. Uh Doc, I got a question for you. You gave it a C. So who performed better this week? The NWA on August 1st, 1987, or your Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football against the Tennessee Titans? Sure, fuck, I missed dude. that game. Um, I had some uh, extra extra um, things I had to do to take care of, so I actually recorded it, and I didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, can you not spoil it for me? I was going to watch it. When, actually, I was going to watch it when we get done here. Yeah, okay. Uh can't face the music. Mr. Uh, my his Cowboys is going to go 14 and 2. What are you but talking anyway, about? 
I don't, think minus. Go, I don't think we're going to go 14-2. and two. We've already lost more than two games. So why, why you, would that you, happen? You predicted 14-2 and two at the beginning of the year. So I'm going C-. minus. Doc's going C. Harper's going C. Harper, who are you giving the, the – you're going to go first for once, Harper. Who are you giving the goddamn Rolex yeah. to? Why not? The, the, uh, the, uh, JJ. <laughs> they don't care what, how you got that money. Yeah. I like the JJ – and he, I mean, JJ was working overtime because then he, because then he came out with fucking Lex. I mean, okay. to me, I don't know how you give it to anybody else, to be honest. Well, no, yeah. I can't say that. Um, I, that same, that same promo, I'm gonna give it to Arn. I'm giving it to Arn because he was chirping at Barry on the way out too. That's true. So, in fairness, I think there's three people who who didn't mail it in in this episode: Tully, Arn, and JJ. Yes. Rick didn't mail it in, but. It just wasn't his best. Right. Yeah. All right. So you're giving yours to Arn too, uh, Doc? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm giving Arn. You're giving Arn. Harper's giving JJ. Yeah. This, I mean, look, man, I ain't trying to sound down, but this episode was. Hey, if we're going to keep doing this, can you try to get next week's episode to be a little bit better for me? Yeah. Um. Don't hold your breath, bro. Uh-oh. When's, when does I... the... If you go back and listen to some of when we first started this, I want to say that I told y'all as you either around Starcade 87 or right after, I want to say I said something like, man, it kind of starts getting rough and then it kind of stays rough, but there's some, there is some, some good shit that happens, but you just kind of, kind of got to ignore the bad stuff. I'm worried because I don't remember it week by week at this point, but I'm worried we're starting to get to that point. No, that's cool. We still, we still got Starcade '87, but I just feel like, and then Doc's gonna have a fucking aneurysm once Sting comes in. That's the Jesus other thing. Jesus Christ, that... I am quitting when that happens. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I'm quitting when I, those I fucking flags I, go away. I think I have turned. I think when we started this, Harper was a big time Sting fan, and I think I have worked. Yeah, on right. To turn him like, away from Sting. Um, I, I, I want to feel like I have. All anyway. right. What well, I, I tell you, what we got to get over to Jim Mitchell part two because in part two, Daryl Van Horn is going to talk about honeymoon the rats and a crazy Tony Mamaluke story from there. WCW days, and there's a whole lot more in part two. So let's get over to that now. And uh, Hopper, Doc, and I will catch you guys on the other side. So here it is, part two, with the one and only Dow Van Horn of Smoky Mountain Wrestling fame. Hopper, hit the tagline. Book it, bitch. I got a couple of uh, crazy questions for you. Uh, you you have actually told a famous uh a rat story from Smoky Mountain Wrestling related to primetime Brian Lee. So uh, a yeah. lot of the a lot of the listeners want to know what was the rat scene like in Smoky Mountain and uh, who was uh, – we make fun of the rats because we're figuring like what the hell were Storm and Jericho doing up there. But anyway, um, what, was the, what was the scene like in Smoky Mountain and uh, who was uh, servicing the rats the most, as, uh, as they say? Well, okay, when I <clears throat> was the first uh, – I don't know – I don't remember how many trips I had been in, maybe two or three or four TVs. Not no, no, because each TV, no, maybe I, maybe my second TV before I ran into rats. And uh, because, like I told you, I normally had to go straight home. Right. But at some point, 
me and my buddy decided, had to stay at the Super 8. And the rats were, I mean, I didn't, the, the, the boys were all off to themselves, you know. I, I didn't party with any of the guys in Smoky Mountain, you know, um, because I guess they were all off in the room partying with them, you know, partying amongst themselves. But, uh, but I noticed one that there were a lot of, uh, women of questionable character, you know, <laughs> um, um, and, and, and questionable character roaming the halls of the super eight or whatever. I think that's what it's called. It's super eight. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of them had what I call the Walmart ass. Like when you walk into Walmart, and get morbidly obese woman wearing yoga pants, Jesus. you know. So you and and like okay, and you know, like they're trying to dress sexy, but <laughs> they're flawed, or or maybe they have they suffer from no pattern baldness, and you know all kinds of. And I realized, oh, these are rats. So um, one night, uh, Jeff and myself decided to do an old trick I used to do on the road when I was a singer or an aspiring rock and roll star much younger at that time. But, um, like, you know how hookers will sit in front of a hotel room or stand out in front of a hotel room in the proper district just so you know there's something going on? Yes. Um, we, me and Jeff brought a, uh, took a cooler of beer and sat on it in the hallway of the Super 8 <laughs> just and with the door open, you know, just to let you know, hey, come on in. And one of them walked up, and, and I've told this story before, but it was the first quote-unquote rat that we made contact with. And she started talking, hey, you guys party and whatnot. Yeah, sure we do. And I don't remember how it came up. Or No, she she said something about Brian Lee, and we just wanted to kind of make sure she was rat. And she pulled down her pants in the middle of the lobby, and it said, prime time and his, you know, his gimmick was prime time prime late <laughs> and I went wow so uh, then we invite her in and uh, have we drink beers and you know discuss politics and global warming and things and she leaves and a little while later now again this is the woman that has prime time written on her uh, mound right right which right. was shaved which was shaved, which was a rarity in the Smoky Mountain area. Jesus. So, so you could read it. Jesus. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he came banging on the door, and my friend goes, oh, shit, Brian Lee's at the door. And he came around, and he goes, some girls in here. And he's, and what are you talking about? And Jeff's looking at me like, I think you might, that might have been his girl or his rat or whatever. Right? And, uh, he started screaming and yelling and go looking under the bed and going in the shower and pulling the shower curtain back. And he said, "Are you? Did you buy this beer? Did, are you? Are you honeymooning these rats?" Like, I didn't talking about it. again another term that I had not heard honeymooning the rats. And uh, he started screaming, "If you're going to be in this business, you don't honeymoon those fucking rats. You make them buy something for you before you give them the dick." And he, he pointed down, he had this pair of Harley Davidson leather boots on, and it had a tag on it. And he said, you see this tag hanging there like many people? That bitch bought these for me. And he named a couple of, I know sunglasses, 
those uh, Porsche Carrera sunglasses, that bitch bought them for me. And she paid for my hotel room. And he just went on and on. And I said, so boys, don't you ever let me catch you in here honeymooning the rats again. And, uh, that, and he walked away. And I was like, oh, so he's not really mad at us. He's giving us a life lesson, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, so, but after that, then, then we did honeymoon the rats. I'll tell you that. But the, the rats were, uh, they were amongst the last of the, the few that I ran into then because, you know, we could only really catch them when we were on the, uh, the extended tours like uh, Thanksgiving, Thunder, and Christmas Chaos. Um, I mean, they, they weren't Hawaiian tropic models. But um, at the same time, that they were probably more fun, you know, because they were conscious. You know, they 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 knew what their job was and they knew what they were there for. And uh, uh, you know, if if you needed anything, they'd supply it for you. You know, read between the lines, everybody. They weren't Hawaiian tropic models, but they were more fun. That's the best way to describe it. I love it. Well, that is true. I mean, I'm right. probably the only. I'm probably the only guy that ever got taken to wrestler's court for honeymooning a rat. This happened at WCW a few years later. Um, I was, and apparently that was Tracy Smothers had this book or something he'd written out that had been passed around the locker rooms for years about the, you know, the basic sins and things you don't do. And honeymooning a rat was one of them. Uh, so basically I guess with rats, you're just supposed to hit it and quit it and go. But I guess I was, I honeymooned rats. And I'd watch other guys get convicted of honeymooning rats in wrestler's court. For those of you who know what wrestler's court is, but uh, I actually got acquitted in a wrestler's court. Uh, I was brought up on charges of honeymooning Johnny Grunge's rat. Oh shit! And uh, I think now, of course, the thing that's fucked up about this story is that all of the uh, prosecution is dead because it was Louis Spicoli. Uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Grunge and Ted Petty, or what was he called in Public Enemy? Uh, Rocky Rock. Rock. Yeah, they were the prosecution. But the beautiful thing was that um, my star witness was the rat. And the rat put me over because uh, I was a better fuck than Johnny, than Johnny Grunge. And therefore, I wound up acquitted. So that, that was the only time I went to wrestling court. But uh, and the, the story that she told made a bop. But uh, the, the rats, the rats were just, uh, by, by the time I got to WCW, towards the end of my WCW run, um, somebody whose name I won't mention because they're probably married, uh, said in the old days, you know, the rats wanted to be with the boys. Uh, now the rats are all guys trying to get into the business. You know, so instead of being hounded, hounded by uh, the ladies, you were hounded by guys in the bar when you were trying to talk to the rats, you know, that were trying to uh, get a job. But uh, at Smoky Mountain, it was, uh, they were very rural, I guess you would say, you know. But, but, you know, look, I'm the guy that likes the hooker with the heart of gold, you know. So if, if, you're, uh, if you've got a good personality and you're funny and you make me laugh, I'll put up with you for a while. Um, how other people dealt with that, I don't know. But uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, oh, in fact, Smoky Mountain was my first actual wrestling rats. I'd been in wrestling three, four years at that point, but uh, had not really encountered a ring rat until I got to Smoky Mountain. 
There was a first for everything. <laughs> the yeah. fact that it was in Smoky Mountain is, is even better. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat that. Oh, man. Uh, so, again, the, the, the quality may have not always been there, but uh, they were uh, very obedient, it sounds like, and uh, did, did their job and were more fun. There you go. Yes, and there, there was there was like a mother daughter combination. There Jesus, was, there were, and I mean they were they, look a lot of these these were old school. If you've ever seen uh, uh, Susan Sarandon or somebody did a movie uh, about being rock and roll groupies and, and made in Bull Durham that movie with Kevin Costner. Yeah, you know, they, I think I think they called the Rats Annies for baseball. But yes. uh, actually, Bull Durham is a great movie about rats. It's basically about rats, except for baseball. It, re- it really is. It really is. I, it's a good movie. But uh, And I never made the – back then, obviously, I had no idea what a rat was. But I remember seeing it back in the day. But you're right. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. And so what part of the time, like the, the rats that I would get was – and, and here's the thing. Once you got to WCW, you started getting the homeotropic model rats – that would tell everybody, I just want you to know I'm not a whore, which is immediately, you know, they are, but you know, they're, you know, they're the pretty girls and all that stuff, but, but they're trying to bang the main eventers, you know? So you would have all the main event, all the main eventers fighting over one girl or trying to, you know, uh, beat on their chest and, you know, you know, do national animal planet, games you know trying to to get the one hot girl that was in the marriott or whatever but there were still plenty of uh smoky mountain level rats and they were and to go back to smoky mountain was where i should have been um but they were what was cool was you'd run into ones that would they'd talk about guys they'd been with you know and they'd they'd be listing these famous names so sometimes i would choose a rat based on uh, the legend they had been with 10 years before or whatever, you know, and like and, and in hopes that they would compare me to, uh, you know, Whitey Caldwell or whatever the hell, you know, I'm, you know, just uh, <laughs> stupid shit like that. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Yeah. That's a good, that's some good stuff. Uh, how you doing on time? Uh, uh, Mr. Van Horn. I want to, I want to respect. I, I'm, I'm doing, I, I, no, I'm doing fine. I mean, if you want to, close the shit we can close it but i mean i don't um, i'm free for at least another hour okay couple couple more couple more questions then uh then for you uh appreciate it so uh a lot of people have asked this and and um you know i think i think people may have assumed that you may have been the idea behind the mummy meaning that it was your idea but it really wasn't it was uh it it was uh rick rubin but um how quickly did you realize that one Oh, this mummy thing is is not going to work for this guy. And two, uh, did you get frustrated at the same time knowing that you're out there cutting, you know, for lack of a better term, five star promos for literally the the worst um, the worst gimmick possible? And that's no disrespect to Rob because I've talked to Bobby Blaze and Rob was actually a talented wrestler. He was just stuck in his yeah. bullshit gimmick. So, um, how quickly did you realize this shit's doomed? And two, man, I'm getting frustrated because I'm out here working my ass off, but this gimmick is dead. Uh, no, actually, here's the thing. I never got frustrated. <laughs> because, wow, okay, let's okay. see, I started there in what, September, right? I think September. Right, right. Of uh, September, October, yeah. And, yep. the, 
And the mummy didn't debut until Christmas, right? So I had what three months almost. So all I know, you know, with my limited knowledge of wrestling and how green I was and just, you know, just looking for approval. I'm thinking that everything I'm doing is great. And, uh, and so there is no mummy to base it off of, or, you know, no way to get the, uh, feedback. Um, once the mummy debuted, people were saying, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And it's horrifying. Um, but, um, the, the people within my personal circle were like laughing at it. Like it was the greatest campy 1966 Batman shit they'd ever seen, you know? So I never, never hit me that the mummy was dead. The way I first heard that it was dead was, uh, you know, the first time I went to Smoky Mountain for the first TV taping, um, I'd always heard from the, uh, the main event guys that I managed on the outlaw shows when I would ask them about the business that, Oh, you don't make any money doing TV. You know, you get like 50 or a hundred dollars for doing TV. You make your money on the road, you go on the road. That's where, you know, you get your percentage of the gate and all that. So the first time I went up to Smoky mountain, um, Cornette paid me 150, no, $175. I think it was, it was either 150 or 175. Now you got to figure at that time I had a shitty, barely minimum wage job and I probably cleared $200 a week. So I went up for one day and it did take me a whole day and driving back all night, but I made that in one day. So I thought, shit, if you make $150, uh, 150, 170, we'll just call it 150, $150 for one day. And then if I go on the road, shit, I'll make 150 times five days fuck, I'll be rich, you know, is what I was thinking. So, yeah. um, the, uh, I, I got to, uh, so, no, the next, so then the next TV taping, um, after the, cause Cornette also reimbursed me for buying the Fez and, and a couple of, cause maybe the first TV taping was extra far or something. So when I got to the next one, I think he paid me 75, but I thought, okay, it's just TV, right? Then, so any 75 again, but then when I went to uh, Thanksgiving Thunder tour, I thought, okay, I'm going to be making buku money, you know? And the first show we pulled up to was a Coliseum, you know, and it said Smoky Mountain Wrestling on the big thing, you know, in front of the Coliseum. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm coming home rich, right? I've got at least have a thousand dollars coming home. And uh, Cornette wrote me a check at the end of four days for $300. And I think I had spent $500 on the road. <laughs> and, and I took Cornette. And, and I, this is, again, because you learn, you learn being an idiot, not knowing what you're doing. You just kind of observe what's going on around you. And in the outlaw shows, if they brought in, say, Tommy Rich, Tommy Rich would get mad at the promoter and start raising hell about the money that he got paid, right? So I figured, you know, hey, everybody's talking about me and Pro Wrestling Torch and The Observer and, you know, and whatever, Steve Beverly's Matwatch sheet or whatever it was. Um, I'm I'm a man of standing. And uh, I actually was stupid enough to take Cornette into a stall 
just as I had seen, you know, fucking uh, Manny Fernandez and Tommy Rich do when I was doing mud shows, you know? And I said, Jimmy, bro, you gave me $300 for four days. I bought a motel for, you know, I, I basically uh, reiterated everything I'd ever heard uh, the, the washed up former main eventers do on the mud shows. And, and I'm su- looking back on it. I'm surprised he didn't just slap me in the face and fire me then. But, but that's when I heard to get back on point. He said, Van Horn, look, he goes, the mummy is an abortion. The mummy's not going to get over. It's dead. It wasn't my idea. Just keep getting yourself over. Keep doing your shit. You're doing great stuff. We're going to find you some new people. And, and you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to wind up being able to get you up to New York. So that's what I was operating on, you know, and I actually, it was a few, a couple months after that before uh, Meltzer or somebody revealed that Rick Rubin was the backer, you know? And, uh, and even at that point, once I read that Rick Rubin wanted a mummy, I figured, you know, I didn't know what the financial situation was, but I figured, well, hell, if this record producer who produced run DMC and Aerosmith or whatever the hell he'd done at the time, you know, if that's his pet project, I'm going to New York, you know, but alas, it was not to be, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the first, the first I would have heard that, that uh, the gimmick was dying was then. And also I was so oblivious at the time, I, you know, I, I didn't really know how to listen to a crowd, you know, you know, I was just too worried about myself and not about putting the whole thing over, but that's kind of how that was. Yeah, no, it it makes sense. Like you said, you're just you just you were so young. You're going out there. You're doing your thing, and um, and then to know that Corny said that either either after the Christmas Chaos, which, whichever tour it was, uh, I mean, at least you knew there. And like you said, he he actually kind of probably um, man, that's cool that he actually told you that. I mean, he saw the writing on the wall, and he just wanted you to go go out there and get over. And I think I've heard you. I think you know talking about the the promos. I think it was either when you talked to him, or I heard this somewhere before that it got to the point where um, he Jim didn't even care almost what you said on the mic. He just was like, just go out there and push the envelope, and uh, if it doesn't make air, it doesn't make air. Is that true that you just were like, I'm just going out here, and I'm they only bleeped you once, and it was when you said something about the. Um, the mummy knocking out Robert Gibson's one good eye or something to that effect. So, yeah, uh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah let me put a fine point on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, there, and this was also based on a rat because one of the photo, one of the Polaroids that I showed Dick Murdoch in the night that I talked, told you about where I finally got over with him was a uh, one eyed Mary and the legend of one eyed Mary was that she would pull out her glass eye and give you a wink job, which is what I'd always been told, right? Now, I will never, I will neither confirm or deny whether or not I uh, was able to confirm that I was able to uh, experience that, but I did have the, the first Polaroids I showed Captain Redneck were of, of uh, one I'd marry. But um, I, I, I thought to myself, uh, you know what? I'm going to try to get wink job in. And when they brought up tag teams, I said, you know, I, I knew, you know, Robert get no disrespect to Robert Gibson, but I was just trying to be a heel. But I knew he had that one wonky eye. You know? <laughs> and I said, something yep. uh, Bob Caudle out of nowhere brought up something about tag teams, I guess. 
and I just started freestyling some shit and said, uh, yeah, if you get anywhere near Prince Karis, he'll, uh, pluck out Robert Gibson's one good eye and make you give him a wink job. And, uh, but before the thing even made air, Cornette called me because Cornette would call me and give me the bullet points, uh, like a week ahead of what I needed to do. So I would take the bullet points. If it was Prince Karis at, uh, uh, Christmas chaos title on the line, whatever, those would be like the four points I would have. And he'd say, you got like two minutes, whatever. And I, you know, and those things were 10 seconds. So then I would try to figure out how to fill in that blank, you know, with filth. And, uh, <laughs> so I decided to go with the, uh, wink, see if I could get away with wink job. And, uh, Cornette called me or and said, well, congratulations, Van Horn. You finally got, uh, you finally got censored, you know, after all that shit you've done before. You know, yeah, they had to they had to go quiet. So right when I say he'll pluck out your one good eye, and before I could say give you a, a wink job, or, or make you give him a wink job, the, the uh, audio just goes quiet for about three yeah. seconds or two seconds, and it goes on. Um, uh, hold on, I got lost saying that. What was it you asked me about that? Um, yeah, no, I, it was uh, we were just talking about if Cordy ever had the one censor you or two uh, the fact that he just flat out told you go out there and just say whatever Van Horn and, and get know. over it. Right? No, no, he uh, he basically because what would happen? Because here's the truth: Cornette didn't know some of the shit I was talking about. Oh, I shit, told him I had about to look out felching. I had to look felching up. I was, I didn't know it was the first time I heard it. And then I looked it up and I was like, I oh, Jesus Christ. I, I told him about felching. Because when he called me, you know, for the bullet points for the next TV, I'm waiting on him to go, you stupid son of a bitch. You know, and, uh, and I said, so, no, no heat? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, felching the family dog? And he goes, what are you talking about? And again, we didn't have computers where you could just type in felching. So, I mean, it's not like you could go to the public library in 1994 and look up felching, you know? So, um, <laughs> but I explained it to him and he laughed and he went, well, you know what? If I didn't understand it, the people in Morristown, Tennessee or wherever, you know, or Hazard, Kentucky didn't understand it. Just, you know, basically don't say the seven dirty words you can't say on TV because you, you, it's something like, you know, you're saying that shit you're saying so eloquently that, you know, they don't get it anyway. But, you know, over the years, after I got done with Smoky Mountain, you know, I went to WCW and that was kind of an abortion too with monsters. In fact, all, everything I've done has been with monsters and an abortion in one way or another. But, um, <laughs> uh, so like I went, once I was on WCW, I couldn't look at Smoky Mountain because, you know, now I'm around, you know, the big time and I'm learning real fast about how to do shit and my delivery changed. You know, because before it was one take and, you know, and, and I was nervous and all that. So I, I kind of started growing into whatever the fuck I am now. But I would, I despised, I was embarrassed of the Smoky Mountain stuff. Then I went, then I got fired from WCW. I heard my WCW shit with Smoky Mountain. And I went, no, actually the Smoky Mountain shit's a lot more entertaining. It might not be wrestling, but just just as outsider art, you know, or primitive art of some sort, um, you know, it, 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 it's more entertaining. Then I went to ECW and I started being the sinister minister and I hated the Smoky Mountain shit again. 
then ECW went out of business. And, you know, I look, you know, that was the same pattern. Every time I left a company, I would look back on the uh, Smoky Mountain shit and go, you know what? That, for whatever it was, it was real. You know, it was, you know, we say that we, we, you talk about scripted promos these days. And now if I would have had the skill set to, uh, to, you know, realize how to, to aim the promo, you know, in order to try to make money or something, uh, some of that stuff would have stayed in there, but a lot of it wouldn't have, you know, because once I got further along in my career, I realized that TV time is so valuable you don't have time to jerk yourself off on TV. You know, everything has to count. You, you know, you're not there to amuse your friends. You're not there to pop the boys. You're there to try to, you know, get your guy over. But um, it was, looking back on it, it, it was, it, it's certainly funny and completely different than anything that was there. And, uh, like, you know, I remember uh, Amy was the big deal they were talking about under Cornette at the time. Right. And there was, there was a little rivalry there. You can ask or not ask about. But, um, but I thought, you know, yeah, I'm really standing out. And, uh, and, and the same thing happened, in, you know, when I went to TNA. I did fuck Smoky Mountain stuff. And then a few years after being out of TNA, I looked at it again. And I went, you know what? That actually really is, that's kind of, if you, and if you think about what I did over the years, that was sort of the basis of what I would go on to do for the next 20 years. Um, it was a lot sanitized, you know, but that was me with no, uh, no, uh, filter. That was me being allowed to just go out and make a fool out of myself and sink or swim, you know? So, once I started hearing you guys talk about it on your podcast, and again, I hadn't heard any of that shit in years and, and listened to your reactions of it. I was like, you know what? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not as polished as it could have been. And no, I wasn't talking about Harley race versus Jack Briscoe, but, uh, you know, it, it was certainly, I, I think it, uh, I think it, I think it holds up, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's here. Here's I've said this numerous times, so I know you've heard me say it, but I got to repeat it to you personally. You that mummy gimmick from the from the get. You've heard us talk about it. It's so beyond mm -hmm. stupid. It's not funny yet. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Seven months, six months after the fact, we are still going. God, this fucking dude is dragging this mummy along and still getting this shit over. Not the mummy, but himself. And then, so then we get into like what if scenarios. Like we start thinking about, uh, for one, um, you know, no disrespect to Ron and Don Harris and and whatnot, but their promos, we just it's excruciating to listen to those in Smoky Mountain. And we're like, well, goddamn, if James Mitchell and Daryl Van Horn would have managed them, maybe weren't we wouldn't have been so tired of them, and because uh, they just needed a mouthpiece. And it, it just so like when we when we watch it back, we're just like it's kind of amazing that one you know like you said this was your first chance at uh, I guess well, quote unquote real TV, but two you 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 took a gimmick 
and and just really pulled it along while it had nothing but lead weight in its ass. And then, I mean, we're about to get into the stage where where you're with Kendo, Kendo the Samurai, uh, with Tim Horner, who's our favorite person to, to laugh at in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, it's just amazing <laughs> that you that you we've been brutal to Tim. It's not personal. I say this all the time. Uh, I actually got nothing personal against Tim, but I think it's I think it's a, some of his promos. They're just. Oh dear God! You just laugh and laugh and laugh. I, I made the analogy the first time you talked about. Um, I can't even remember exactly what you said, but I said uh, Tim Horner's out there and uh, Daryl Van Horner's out there, and Tim Horner brought a knife to a gunfight, and it's just an abomination. But anyway, I say all that to say. I mean, obviously, not to blow smoke up your butt any more than I always do, but it's phenomenal. I mean, it's uh, that's just what really they, that's stuff. what they call the blowing smoke up my ass. That's just called the Cuban blowjob. There you go. Cigar blowjob, whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was that just fell flat. But uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Harris brothers because after Cornette had told me that, like I knew, like at one point he was managing uh, the the, uh, the Heavenly Bodies, Bodies and the Harris brothers and, and Ron and Don and the Bruce brothers and the Moon Dogs, right? Yeah, he had three. And right, see, right. I thought to myself, well, he's at you know in my dumbass Mark mind at the time. I thought, well, yeah. I'll get the Bruise Brothers, and like I had a plan at the time as to how I'd put them over, and then the Moon Dogs because I'd managed Moon Dog Spot on the shit shows before I ever went to a couple years before I went to Smoky Mountain. So, you know, I, I thought that I had this whole host of uh, pleasures, or excuse me, or an embarrassment of riches that was going to come my way once the money was gone, and it would have been interesting to see what happened. And like, I, you know, I used to watch Tammy and, you know, she was in the, the main event spot with Brian Lee and uh, uh, God, who else was she with? Uh, Candido. Brian Lee and, and Candido and all that. And I used to think to myself, you know, what if I had been in that spot? Now, what I will yield to Tammy is that she didn't go off the reservation and go into all this fucking nonsense that I went into, you know? But, yeah. Um, you know, at, at the time, and uh, and not to shit on Tammy, but at the time, just because, you know, when you're that green, you know, you're jealous of everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so, like, I would always put my tail between my legs about anything Cornette did. But pretty much nobody else. But uh, Tammy being a manager, you know, I felt that was my competition. Cornette was not my competition because he was like in a different universe, you know? Right. But um, I would, you know, and, and Tammy got a lot better, you know, she, she wound up getting a lot better. And of course she became sunny and, you know, I never became sunny. So, Hey, fuck me. But <laughs> at the time, you know, I, I thought that Tammy was kind of wooden sounding, you know, like she had rehearsed her lines, you know? And, uh, and I remember, you know, and Tammy said all this shit about herself and we won't go into it, but you know, those stories you hear about Tammy, right? I used to hear those stories back in the locker room at the day in the day. But again, I was that fucking green. I didn't know, or I was like, there's no way because she carried herself backstage, uh, just like a stuck up high school girl, you know, the one who doesn't put out. You know, and uh, she walked, I, I walked into the locker room one day and uh, 
I had a T-shirt custom made with something off the box of a Vanessa Del Rio porno video or something, <laughs> and just to pop the boys. And Tammy was first time she ever really spoke to me other than hello. She walked over and she said, Daryl Van Horn, you're the most disgusting person I've ever met in my life, and walked off like a <laughs> mic drop. And I was like, oh, really? But, I mean, it, it took years until I actually heard her confirm all this shit in her shoot interviews. I actually used to defend her. People would say, Tammy's doing this. Tammy's like, no, she's not. Trust me, she's not doing anything like that. <laughs> but, wow, you're, you're, you're like one of the only ones... Um, I'm talking Smoky Mountain guys, which I've talked to quite a few at this point, who has ever said that I used to defend her. Uh, <laughs> all, everybody else that's still living is like, that, oh, man. <laughs> well, see, uh, that, that was the beautiful, that was the innocence of being an outsider because I wasn't in the loop. You know, I, I wasn't staying in the apartment with Casey O'Connor and the thrill seekers or whoever the hell, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, it's my understanding they had an apartment that they'd let guys crash in. You know, yes, uh, you get yeah, I've eight heard. guys together. I, I was not. I was really an outsider. It, it was like it was like Michael Buffer walking into WCW to say, "Let's get ready to rumble." You know, yeah, he ate with them in catering, but he wasn't on the road being fully indoctrinated into the lifestyle you know so i didn't know any i i just i didn't get it you know i was yeah. and, and cornet firing me you know the uh making chicken salad out of chicken shit cornet firing me was the thing that made me realize okay hold on asshole um this isn't all about you you know there, there's a bigger picture to look at and, and you know and then that that made me learn the politics of wrestling, you know, that, uh, you, sometimes it's better to keep your fucking mouth shut. You know, well, are you willing to die on this hill for something that doesn't matter? That doesn't, you know, pick your pocket or break your back, you know? Right. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a, I totally agree with you there. Um, Hey, while we're winding down, so uh, well, first off, again, thank you for thank you for doing this for me, man. This is this okay. is really good. I okay. I could I could ask you questions for two more hours about this stuff because, oh my God, there was so much uh, so much stuff to go uh, go through. I mean, well, you, I, I've the got, whole. I, I've got I got a little time. I mean, if it's anything you need to get in, it's fine. I'm I'm okay. No, as, no, as long I, as we don't bore people. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think we're good. It's funny. Uh, here, a couple of couple of comedy questions that aren't really serious. One of the guys wants to know. Right. Uh, and I apologize. I didn't write down names. I just kind of copied and pasted the questions. One of the guys wants to know if you, if you actually studied necrophilia at the University of Cairo, or was just or was it just a work? <laughs> I love that. That was one of the first lines <laughs> from your Smoky Mountain Run. Well, so I had to throw well, that out there. Well, well, since he actually asked that question, yes, I did. <laughs> Here's another one you'll love. Uh, were you ever offered any promotional opportunities for Monistat? Because you did reference it a few times on Smoky Mountain TV. So uh, where, what happened with the Monistat deal? Uh, no, there was no Monistat deal. But hold on. Actually, I have an anecdote to share with you. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Um, okay. Like a, a lot of things that I did in Smoky Mountain, I would occasionally um, – uh, bring back through the years, you know, in different places I worked, like the thing about 
smacking the puppy's head against the wall. You know, it'd be years and years between them. But I figured if Ric Flair can be styling and profiling every week and jet flying and Space Mountain, you know, once every six, five, five or six years, I can use something that nobody ever saw before, you know, and use it again. Uh, bobbing for apples in a colostomy bag, whatever, you know, I can, right. I can bring that into a new environment. But, um, so, as, but Frank Zappa used to call conceptual continuity. Um, here's, uh, I'm, when I was in ECW, uh, Tony Mamaluke um, was there. And Tony Mamaluke, hell of a wrestler and a very dear friend of mine, good guy. Um, but long story short, a rat that had been picked out by the other rats, right, to be anointed by the sinister minister, be broken in by the sinister minister. Jesus. Um, it was like all the plans were made. There was going to be video, everything, so we could laugh at it, you know, whatever. Um, I didn't get flown to TV that next week. So the week after that, I show up, and it turns out Mom, Tony Mamaluke banged the rat. And that's fine. But Tony Mamaluke, because in my perception, I was higher on the card than he was, and I was. But, you know, and plus, I got him, helped him get him his job. He, he, we were out in public, and he was, ha, 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 I banged the devil's rat, right? So I, it just popped into my head. Oh, you, you banged her? Well, uh, you know, she has a yeast infection. Goes, what? And I said, <laughs> you know, she a yeast infection. Well, what's that? I said, you don't know what that is? I said, bro, if you, man, your, your gimmick's going to look like a stalk of cauliflower, man. You got to go see a doctor. And, and so I'm ribbing him through lunch while I'm around a bunch of the boys. And we get off in private. And he goes, devil, how, how much trouble am I in? I said, man you've got to go to the CVS right now or Eckerd's, whatever, the drugstore, Walgreens, and, and get some monostat. <laughs> now, I'm popping myself off of the old Daryl Van Horn shit, right? It, 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 uh, the, its ugly head reemerges, right? And I take, I, go to, I take him to Walgreens or wherever, and he's like, he's like a husband who doesn't want to buy tampons for his wife, right? And I'm, and this is part of my revenge rib on him because he's told everybody he banged what was supposed to be my sacrificial rat. And I said, Nope, here's the money. You have to buy it. And he's, he's a really sweet guy and very shy. And, and, and so at first I thought the rib was going to end with him buying the monostat. Right. But (laughs) once we got in the car, he goes, devil, how do I deal with this? And I said, well, yeah, and, and this stuff comes like in little suppositories, I guess. And I said, well, you need to just break it open and you need to rub it all over your gimmick, right? Said, really? I said, yeah, just rub it all over your gimmick. And by the time we got back to Canyon's house, which is where I was at the time, then it, it hit me. Wait a minute. Canyon has a video camera. I can take a video camera and film this. And as he was getting ready to uh, rub his manhood, pop open a, a monostat thing and rub it all over his, his, uh, his male appendage. I said, you know what? I forgot. I saw that. I read this thing. I read this thing in a magazine in a medical journal. I forgot. No, it's a suppository. You have to stick it up your ass. And he goes, what? And I go, no, 
It's a, you see it? Is that a suppository? Yeah, devil, you're right. I go, you need to stick it up your ass. But Jesus. it's monostat seven. It's monostat seven. You have to stick it up your ass for seven days. So the rib was, and, and then as he did it, I actually filmed him sticking monostat in his ass. The idea was that at a pay-per-view party that was to come a few days later, uh, a week later or whatever, that, you know, we were going to debut this in front of, you know, 20 wrestlers, and that would be my big revenge rib. But the funny thing was about, so it's seven days you're supposed to stick this up your ass, or you're not, you know, you're not supposed to stick it up your ass, but I told him to. Um, About four days in, he goes, devil, have you got any more gimmicks? I said, what do you mean? Have you got any more gimmicks? And, you know, in wrestling, a lot of times, gimmicks, like, you can call anything gimmicks in wrestling. Right. You just have to know the context of who you're talking about. A gimmick can be, you can have a conversation, say gimmick, 40 times, and the other guy knows what you're talking about, and it's 40 different things. But anyway. Yeah, it just depends on the context said, of gimmick? the conversation, yeah. Yeah. I go, I'm not a fucking drug guy. I don't have any fucking pills. What are you talking about? He goes, no, the monostat. And I go, what do you mean? I go, you got another three days to go. And he goes, no, I'm out. <laughs> and I went, God damn, Mama Luke, Mama Luke, did it get good to you? I mean, are you, a, are, are you now a junkie from Honestat? So that was, uh, <laughs> he, he, was so, he was so scared over what I did that, that he OD'd on the Monistat. Jeez. <laughs> and we, we did eventually air the uh, video at a pay-per-view party within a week or two. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I, di- I did not get a Monistat uh, sponsorship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what else? More silly questions. Oh, I think that's actually it. They wanted to know about the necrophilia, the Monistat. And, uh, uh, yeah, I pretty much think that's it. Maybe one on Tim Horner. Actually, now that I'm looking at my list right here. Tim Horner, uh, any thoughts on... Uh, working with Tim Horner as the, as the samurai, uh, anything crazy because uh, Tim has, like I said, he's been a bit of a punching bag over the last two years. No, look, I mean, first of all, um, anybody who's met me would probably tell you, you know, I'm a pretty big baby face off screen, and I don't get involved in all that shit, and I certainly yeah. didn't know any of the Tim Horner bullshit, and it's funny to listen to Cornette talk about it now, but I didn't know any of that. Oh, it's um, comical. It's hilarious. Uh, no, I mean, Horner was, Horner was cool. And, um, in fact, uh, during the, the, when he first wrestled the mummy, there's a line. If you ever watch that thing where I say somebody's dumber than a bucket of coal, bucket of coal. Yep. I, I had set uh, Horner came to me and he goes, Van Horn, what are you going to say? And, I'm sure whatever I was going to say was going to fly over the heads of the people. I, I don't remember what it was, but Horner went, what does that mean? And I told him and he laughed and he goes, Van Horn, he goes, these damn people out here. I don't know what town that was in. I'll just say Kentucky. He goes, I, I don't know. I don't know. Those people aren't going to know what you're talking about. Again, a wrestling lesson. You have to learn, you know, right. to talk to your audience. But he goes, now, if you tell these people, they're dumber than a bucket of coal. They'll get it. And he was right. Because I think that was the first thing they made noise for. You know? <laughs> like, a bucket of coal, pop. Oh, okay, fuck you. We're coal miners, you know? So, uh, 
No, no, Horner was fine. And then the, uh, I, I had no problem with him. I didn't know any of that stuff, uh, you know, that Cornette talks about now. <clears throat> but, you know, Corn, I mean, Horner was always, uh, I guess what they call a good hand, you know? He, he was not the most charismatic motherfucker on earth, you know? But, uh, <laughs> but he, I mean, to me, he, he was a cool guy, you know? And, and again, at that stage in my life, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm talking to Tim Horner, who I've watched on TV for years before I got to Smoky Mountain, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had been everywhere. Uh, I mean, he had, be, he, had, he had been everywhere. I mean, he had been on NWA Saturday Night. He had been in Mid-South. I mean, Enhancement Talent there. He had, he had been in Mid-Atlantic. I mean, he had been, he'd been all over. So, no, I hear you. Oh, oh, yeah. Hold on. One thing that I thought of before we get out of here. One question I saw that somebody put in your feed last night that I yeah. did want to address. Uh, somebody asked me about me speaking in tongues or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's actually where I got that from. Back in uh, the late 70s, I, uh, moved, I moved from where uh, I lived in Columbia, South Carolina when I started watching wrestling. And we got like, fuck, what did we get? We got two Mid-Atlantic shows, uh, one in the day and one at night, two separate shows. Uh, we got uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling for two hours on Saturday. Before it was TBS, it was WTCG. Channel 17 in Atlanta. We got right. Florida Championship Wrestling, and we got the old IWA, I guess it was Eddie Einhorn Wrestling with uh, Bulldog Brower and Mil Mascaras and all that. So I got all this wrestling, right, that I came up on. Then I moved to Florence, South Carolina, where they literally only had two broadcast stations. Most people have ABC, NBC, and CBS, and PBS. This place had I believe it was, it, I know we had NBC, but ABC and CBS shared a channel, swear to God. After the news went off at six or seven o'clock, it switched from ABC to CBS. So, and so, I mean, there was, so the only wrestling I got was one hour of wrestling. But when the new, when everything went off the air, you would get televangelist. And when I discovered televangelist late at night, I was like, these guys are just like wrestlers. You know, they're wearing obnoxious outfits and they're talking shit. They're, they're cutting wrestling promos about religion, you know? And, and if you really go back and listen to it, they're really not talking a lot about God and Jesus. You know, they <laughs> drop the name in here and there, sort of like I dropped wrestling into the mummy promos, but they're not really talking about God and Jesus. And some of them would uh, speak in tongues. And they would do this, you know, kind of bullshit. And in fact, uh, Robert Tilton, Robert Tilton is a guy you can look at. He does that. If you look up on YouTube. And uh, so when it came time to do the mummy thing, uh, I remember Cornette had bought me. I don't remember if Cornette bought me the piece of papyrus or I bought it, whatever. <laughs> but uh, something that had like, you know, hieroglyphics on it that you'd buy at a junk shop. But I opened it up, but when it was time to, he, he had told me to start uh, reading from the hieroglyphics, but he gave me no, uh, no uh, cues as to what to do. 
And I thought about those uh, snake handling televangelists speaking in tongues, right? And I thought about <laughs> Robert Tilton. And, and I thought about uh, Robert De Niro from Cape Fear at the end of Cape Fear when he's drowning and he starts speaking in tongues, if you've ever seen that movie. And it's, it was just so creepy and weird. I just started riffing off of that. And if you actually listen to when I do it and then compare it to what uh, Robert Tilton does, or if you look up any YouTube video about is speaking in tongues bullshit, which it is, in my opinion, um, because they, they come up with a couple of sounds or repetitive phrases and they do them over and over again. So but there was, there was a couple of sounds that I made that I would do over and over again. And I'd, I'd interject something in between, but I'd go back to the other one. And if you listen to these televangelists, they would basically say the same baby talk over and over again. And they'd make two other sounds. And then at the end of it, they would translate it and say, and that is God telling me that you need to donate $10 to my ministry, which will be a special seed. And furthermore, if you donate $25, we will send you a special oil cloth, which will, you know what I mean? And I mean, yeah. I became a, I'm a mark for television. I mean, I don't know if they're as sleazy as they used to be, but back in the day, that was my sort of like, okay, in the old days, if you couldn't get porno, you'd watch uh, the Playboy channel or, or look at the, the National Geographic with tribal women running around. Uh, televangelists were my, I can't get wrestling, but the, this is as close as close as I can get to it because they are carnies and they're cutting money promos, and they're drawing money. You know what I mean? They're drawing yeah. money, but they're using, they're using that as the, uh, the thing. So, uh, yeah, that's to it. that was the one question I, I wanted to uh, reveal, or answer I wanted to reveal to the world was, uh, yeah, that the speaking in tongues came from watching shysty late-night televangelists. <laughs> that's funny because I've, uh, I've heard that Ron Wright actually got his – promos from uh, from listening to uh baptist ministers and uh the way he would uh the way he would uh his voice would shrill out and whatnot he he got it from from the church uh evidently so uh, it doesn't shock me i mean hey you know whatever it, whatever it takes to cut an effective and great promo and if speaking in tongues does it then then so be it i i, I laughed out loud i mean it's 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 funny to watch this stuff and uh, go back and just relive it. And again, speaking in tongues like you did, uh, it was going over the people's heads no matter what. But the tongues, uh, the tongues added to it. Well, uh, I, let I, me I, just tell. It's funny when when you guys were reviewing the first time I did that, and I think it was Harper who was like, "God damn, what the fuck was what?" You know, in the middle of Bob Armstrong and all this other, you know, down home, easily understood shit. You know this this Yankee Jew, whatever you know, just came down here and and, and just spoke what the, these folks probably think is Arabic or something. You know, yeah, right. and, and and what's funny is when when you guys review it, when you guys review this shit, they I've been, you know, when I was in the bubble, right, I was only looking at it from my own perspective, and to hear you guys because you're reviewing the whole show. And then to go, what the fuck? 
kind of left turn was that? You know, um, it, it's funny. You know, it's just, uh, you know, and, 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 and like Harper and you got, you get it. Like, wait a minute, you're, you're from wise West Virginia. And you just heard this guy say this and this. And then he starts going, ooga, booga, 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 you know? Oh, in Harper's words, as Harper always says, man, that shit went nine miles above these people's heads and they don't have a fucking clue, which makes it even well, better. It's probably a good thing. And it's probably a good thing that if you look it up, it's under Daryl Van Horn, because in this day and age, that shit could probably be dug up and used against me. You know? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man hey well, well, it, well. They, it was a different time oh hell yeah it yeah. certainly was before the internet as i tell my kids all the time because they have no clue what it's like to live uh live without it um Dale van horn james mitchell jim mitchell i really appreciate your time this was a lot of fun uh almost two hours of audio so thank you very much uh yeah. do, do you want to tell the people where to stay in touch with you if they want to uh or or whatnot um i guess well, let's see. Right now, I'm uh, doing some cameos here and there on Impact Wrestling, so uh, that's not too hard to find, uh, which I believe is on Pop TV. Probably easier to find on YouTube at the moment. But um, um, I believe my – see, I'm a complete Luddite with social media. Um, I am on Facebook. Um, I believe the address is James Mitchell dot seven three one or something if you look it up that way but if you look up james mitchell in orlando florida on facebook or whatever if you see the picture of me bald with shaved head as i look now like being the merciless uh, that would be my real profile there are several fake ones out there but uh that would be mine so uh you can catch up with me there um and always glad to hear from uh friends and fans from uh years gone by and uh anyway I, I wish you guys the best of luck with your uh ongoing uh uh booking the territory podcast which is i mean it's it's just funny as hell by the way i, I like listening to you guys do the old uh uh saturday night uh well it wasn't georgia at that time what was called world championship it, wrestling the NWA stuff right right but it was you know the reactions it, it, you know, because that kind of wrestling doesn't exist anymore. But just listening to the reaction from uh, guys who are students of the game and fans of wrestling, uh, it, it's really a lot of fun. And I, I highly recommend the Booking the Territory podcast to, to anybody. I mean, not safe for work, okay? Let that be a caveat. <laughs> but um, but uh, very funny. And, and your uh, insights uh, are, are just funny as hell i, I really enjoy it. i enjoy everything you guys do uh, we appreciate it thank you so much uh uh one more request doc wanted you to to do this so i'm gonna ask you and you don't have to if you want but he said can you get daryl van horn to do one of those plugs where it's something like this is daryl van horn aka jim's james mitchell and i am hard bodies hopper illegitimate father and you are listening to book in the territory the unprofessional wrestling podcast or something to that effect on the fly this is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on 
Booking the Territory podcast. <laughs> That was part two with the Sinister Minister, James Mitchell, a.k.a. Daryl Van Horn of Smoky Mountain Wrestling fame. What a damn good episode. The Monistat story was 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 really great. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Jim Mitchell, James Mitchell, thanks again for coming on the show. And we definitely got to do it again in the future, man, because it was a real good time. So thank you again for your generous time of uh, nearly two hours on the show, broken up into two separate parts. Doc still has not heard part one, nor has Harper, so they have no clue uh, what went down. But I can tell you it was as filthy and nasty, as dirty as it needed to be, parts one yeah. and two. So it was some good shit. You got to put that on, on fucking YouTube. I will eventually, but you fuck, I, I don't, I'm still at, I'm not in a war with YouTube like Cordy is right now, but YouTube is, YouTube's a, uh, fuck YouTube. Damn bitches, bro. They really are. They Dude, really it are. it pisses me off, like, because because I used to always listen to Cornet on fucking YouTube, and it got to the point where I ran out of shit to fucking listen to. There it goes again. What the fuck? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> you hear that shit? It's awful. Your phone. It your is. phone's got a virus, bro. That's what it is. I mean, Doc, you want to take a stab at what that might be? A virus. Let me ask Uh, you this, Harper. You've been watching. All of a sudden, after that guitar ring out, you started. Let me ask you a question, Harper. You've been watching porn on that thing? Nah, never. What do you watch porn on? Yeah, um. (laughs) Notice I didn't ask him if. (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good to be with your chums, isn't it? Yeah, we we really do appreciate all of you out there in listening land this week for sticking with us on what was a very big episode. All right, so let's let's. Uh, That's my way to... of thinking. We wrap this up. I've had enough of these sons of bitches, and I'm tired of talking you. to them. They're tired of hearing it. Probably. <laughs> we need to take this thing on into the hangar, pal. I hear you, man. I want to make sure people are using the Amazon referral link. It's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Please use it. Give it to the wives, girlfriends, side pieces in your life, family members, any women you know who do a lot of shopping. Tell them use it. tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Great way to support this show on an ongoing basis. And again, also... Become a patron. It's tinyurl.com slash BTT. Get all of the extra content. Um, Doc... This will air the week before Thanksgiving. Next week, we are going to re-air our Thanksgiving segment from last year. Remember that one? No. You don't? Where where you go around the dinner table and you start talking and and sound drops, be blessed, be a blessing. It was a lot (laughs) of fun. That was actually one of your Hall of Fame moments on this on this like I have lots show. of those, so everything I say is a Hall of Fame moment. But Not maybe quite. this year, what you do, and I, I'm just thinking of this off the, off the top of the my head here. Maybe you know everybody's got that one male family member that likes to drink too much at Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, boy, it sounds Uncle, like you're talking about yourself right now. Could be Uncle Randy or you know cousin Mark or somebody like that, right? Yeah. Sure. So get them 
properly lubricate lubricated and in a public setting <laughs> ask them to describe the nastiest piece of ass they ever had and see what happens so what you say <laughs> <laughs> oh man so, back in college there was this one snaggle tooth snuffle up against the <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. There was this slee stack back at the dorm. Oh, my God. You know, just see if you can get those kinds of stories going. Sure, whatever you say. All right, we're going to get ready to get out of here. Before I do so, shout out to the Wrestling Podcast about nothing with ROH's Brian Malonis doing their thing. Uh, and Mike Rocket, they do their thing every single Monday. Wherever you get your podcast from, just search Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Classic and current stuff from them. Even some independent stuff they cover these days. And then also shout out to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, with Joe Murata, Michael Quinn, as they give their take on the northern side of pro wrestling's history. Slightly classier, a little bit more professional than us. Thanks, Joe and Quinn, for all your plugs. And Crockett and Malonis, thank you as well. Uh, listen to those two shows. They support us, so you should support them or give them a shot. That's all I got. Harper, you got any Wildcat news or anything before we get out of here? No, I'm sitting here downloading fucking antivirus apps. <laughs> on his phone. Uh, so, late now. Uh, late now. Uh, make sure you also um, check out our t-shirt store. It's in the show links. So there you go. That's oh, all I, I got. Gonna, I thought you were going to give Harper some more tips here. Yeah. No. Harper no. hit the tagline. Take us home. Fuck it, bitch. Before we get out of here today, I want to shout out uh, all the patrons and thank the patrons for their contributions to the show every single month. We don't have sponsors. You know how we do it around here. No sponsors, just you guys supporting what we do, and we thank you very much for that. Special shout out to the Hall of Fame patrons out there. 
Josh Dunn, at Ryan in Auburn, good old Justin, K underscore row 86, disrespectfully classy Marky Blassie, Robert Smith, Joseph Ice, Tim Arecci, Adam Price, Brian Evans, Mark Wilson, Armando Martinez, David Jordan, Jesse Jacobs, Josh Fields, Chris Myers, Gerald Green, Mitchell Johnson, Mike Prue, Will Parker, Jeremy Bryant, Classy Alex, Slider 91 US, David DeVries, Frog Zeppelin, SV Pageant, Bill Salsa, Big Rich, at Spy Boy Sports Cap, Ari Miller 39, Dustin Roberts, Jay Shiny, Ruben Espinoza, JMM7530, Merciless Jones, Jesse Lucas, Chris Browning, Justin underscore Andretti, Codeman E22, Marty Howell, and T Hog94. Thanks for being Hall of Fame patrons. And again, thanks to all the patrons out there who make this show possible each and every week, twice a week for us. Hey, and if you're a Hall of Fame patron and you're at your seventh month of membership, or you've reached your 18th month, and so on and so forth, subsequent to, uh, I should say, years, please send me an email. I will check and, um, as long as you're due, I'll get you out your t-shirt. So thanks again for being Hall of Fame patrons. And until next week, we'll catch you. Book it, bitch.